0: What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Primetime Sports Podcast, hosted by Joey Miller. So today is the start of the NFL season. Thursday night football kicking off tonight with the Detroit Lions and Kansas City Chiefs going at it. The Chiefs will be without Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones, it looks like. Without both those guys, it's obviously going to be tough for them, but I think this is what the NFL wants. They want a competitive game for the first game of the season, especially with the team in Detroit that they really wanted to market more last year with Dan Campbell being a head coach that brought a lot of fire to the game. It definitely brought a lot of enthusiasm. They liked marketing him a lot last year with Hot Knocks. I think this is what the NFL wants. I think they want it to be a close game to start the season. I think Kansas City is the better team. I think they should win this game, but I think Detroit's going to be in it. I think it's going to be a close one, and that's why I think Detroit's going to lose this one. Maybe the the end. I'm going to go Kansas City winning this one 27-23. That's just a quick prediction now before I give my whole NFL season prediction. Just wanted to preface with that game. So in this episode, I'm going to give a whole breakdown of the whole NFL season with NFL award predictions. I'll give you an updated list on my quarterbacks, all ranked 1 through 32. I made a couple minor changes, nothing crazy. And then I'm also going to answer some 2023 season superlatives, like which quarterback is under the most pressure and which head coach will be fired first and then I will also give my regular season win-loss record predictions. I'll give you guys a Super Bowl matchup that I think will happen. And then I will also give some Dark Horse teams to watch out for as well. One thing I want to note before I do start is that I know I'm throwing a lot of predictions out there from MVP. MVP. All the way to the Super Bowl. I know it's hard to not look foolish on a few of these when you're throwing out a million predictions. So, at the end of the day, I'm doing this just for fun. I'm giving some hot takes and predictions for the season. I do believe all of these things. So, it's not like I'm just throwing out hot takes and predictions just to throw them out. I'm giving you my honest opinions on what I think is going to happen in this season in the NFL. But with that being said, I obviously know that it, these are hot takes. So, it's really hard to get a lot of these right. So, even if I'm wrong on a good amount of these, I hope a few of these are right at the end of the day. And hopefully you guys enjoy hearing it. Let me know if you guys have any opinions on this upcoming NFL season, whether it's who you think is going to win the Super Bowl or MVP or Defensive Player of the Year. Give me your thoughts uh, in the comments, whether it's on YouTube, or if you got my number, give me a text as well and let me know what you think for this upcoming season. So let's start off with the NFL awards predictions, and I'll start off with the NFL MVP. My pick has stayed consistent now ever since the end of last season. I had Trevor Lawrence as my MVP pick for this upcoming season right now in the NFL, and it's going to stay that. I think Trevor Lawrence will be the MVP of the NFL this season. I think he's going to take a monstrous step up this year, and I think he's going to put himself in the conversation with the top-tier quarterbacks of Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. I already thought he was in that conversation with those guys, but I think this year he's going to be a lot more in the conversation with everybody in the media, whether it's Twitter, ESPN, Fox Sports, I think everybody's gonna consider Trevor Lawrence in the same conversation as those guys. After this upcoming season, I think Trevor Lawrence is going to lead the NFL in touchdown passes. I think he's going to throw for 44 touchdowns. I know it's a hot take, but I see Trevor Lawrence taking a huge step up. I think he throws for 44 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, 4,500 and 12 passing yards, and I think he will run for a couple touchdowns as well. So I have him around 46 total touchdowns with 4,500 passing yards and 12 touchdowns. I think the runner-up for the MVP will be Joe Burrow. I see Joe Burrow having a huge season, just not throwing as many touchdowns as Trevor Lawrence. I think that'll be the difference between these two guys at the end of the day. I see Joe Burrow throwing for 5,150 passing yards. I have him leading the NFL in pass yards, which definitely helped his case to win the NFL MVP award. But I have him throwing just 38 touchdowns rather than 44 for Trevor Lawrence. And I have not throwing 13 interceptions. So for Burrow, I have 5,150 pass yards, 38 passing touchdowns, and 13 interceptions. There are a couple of dark horse candidates that I want to mention here that I think will be in the conversation. Two Attack of Aloha is the first one. I think Tua is capable of 4,440 passing yards a season, so roughly just about 4,500 passing yards with 35 passing touchdowns and 10 interceptions, and that's if he can stay healthy and play, let's say, 15 to 16 games. He might miss a game or two here or there, but if he can play 15 games, I'm confident of throwing for 35 touchdowns. And then one other candidate I want to mention as a dark horse, so I have two as my first dark horse, the second one being Daniel Jones. And here's the thing. Everybody knows I'm a huge Daniel Jones fan, so this might be some bias here, and I understand it at the end of the day. Since I am a huge Giants fan, I love Daniel Jones. I'm always going to root for him to do big things. But I think Daniel Jones is a fun long shot to look at. Because when you look at it, Daniel Jones didn't have much around him last year. The offensive line was iffy all season, even though it was better than years past. He didn't have the weapons that he has this year. He didn't have Darren Waller. He didn't have Jalen Hyatt. He didn't have Wanda Robinson healthy. He didn't have Sterling Shepard healthy. He didn't have Isaiah Hodgins for the whole season. He didn't really have that much around him weapons-wise besides Saquon Barkley last season. And Darius Slayton. Darius Slayton was good last year as well. And I think Darius Slayton will end up being the wide receiver one of this Giants group. I think Darren Waller probably leads the team in receiving yards, but I think Darius Slayton ends up being the wide receiver one for this Giants offense. I think Wanda Robinson will be in the conversation as well. I'm going to go Slayton one and Wanda Robinson too. I think the Giants are very deep at receiver though. That's why I think Daniel Jones is set up for a huge season, which I'm going to give a whole episode on the Giants probably before Sunday comes around. So stay tuned for that. But I just wanted to mention Daniel Jones is a long shot dark horse candidate for the MVP award. I'm going to give you my thoughts on what I think his stats look like this year. I have 32 passing touchdowns, 4,080 passing yards, so just about 240 passing yards per game. i have been running for 555 yards on the ground. And I'm running for six rushing touchdowns as well. So 38 total touchdowns for Daniel Jones this upcoming season. One other candidate that isn't really a long shot Doc Horse. I think Dandre Jones is probably the biggest one I mentioned here of the four players I've already mentioned. The fifth one being though, Lamar Jackson. I think he obviously isn't really a Doc Horse candidate to win MVP because every single time Lamar Jackson steps on the field, you have the chance of seeing something great happen. And he was an MVP winner in years past in 2019. So it's not really as hard for him to get the recognition of being a top quarterback. But for Dandre Jones, two attack of low. lower, there's always question marks around those two guys, even though I do believe in Dandre Jones a lot and I always have there have been a lot of question marks around him, so he's more of a dark horse long shot to win the MVP. For Lamar Jackson, he's an MVP candidate when he just stays healthy. When he's on the field, the Ravens win games. He's always going to be an MVP candidate just because of what he can do with his legs and his arm, even though we think a lot of people like to criticize his passing ability. I think it's underrated and if you look at what the Ravens brought in this season to help him out, he added two weapons in Zay Flowers and Odell Beckham Jr. Two guys that can create separation, that can make you miss in the middle of the field, elusive receivers, that are great route runners. That's going to help Lamar Jackson. So I see Lamar Jackson being right back in the MVP convo this season. I have him throwing for 3,100 passing yards, 27 passing touchdowns, 950 yards on the ground, and eight rushing touchdowns. So I have him going for just about 4,000 total yards and 35 total touchdowns between running and passing. So I see a huge season for Lamar. But as I said, Trevor Lawrence is my MVP. I have Joe as my runner-up. I have two attack lower three. I got Lamar Jackson at five. I have Daniel Jones at four. So there's my one, two, three, four, five for the MVP in the NFL this upcoming season. As for Offensive Player of the Year, I have Jamar Chase winning Offensive Player of the Year, wide receiver for the Cincinnati Bengals. And in the last few years, wide receivers have won the Offensive Player of the Year award a lot more than in years past. Since 1972, there have only been four receivers that have won the Offensive Player of the Year award in the NFL since 1972. Just four receivers, but three of those four receivers have won it in the last three years: Michael Thomas, Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson. I see Jamal Chase being in that conversation this year. I've been winning the Offensive Player of the Year award. It's typically running backs. Running backs have won it 26 times. Quarterbacks have won it 20. But I think this year will be the fourth receiver in a row to win the Offensive Player of the Year award. So it went Michael Thomas, Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson. I have Jamar Chase being the fourth one to win it in a row. And my runner-up is Jalen Waddle, wired to see before the Miami Dolphins. As for Defensive Player of the Year, this was a tough one. I had a couple guys in mind, which I'm going to give you the players' names, but I'm going to give you my winner first, and that's Myles Garrett. I have Miles Garrett, edge Rusher for the Cleveland Browns winning the Defensive Player of the Year award. It's a contract year for him. He can opt out after this upcoming season's over. Usually guys like to have a huge year, opt out, and then get the most money possible. And that's what I think is going to happen here with Myles Garrett. He had a great season last year, 16 sacks last year for the Browns defense. I think he ends up winning the Defensive Player of the Year award. Even though there were a couple guys that came to mind besides Miles Garrett, Garrett's the one I ended up picking. The other two guys that I was in a to toss up between for winning Defensive Player of the Year, it was TJ Watt and also Sauce Gardner. So T.J. Watt, edge rusher for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and then Sauce Gardner, cornerback for the New York Jets. I was in between both of those guys as well as Miles Garrett for winning this award. But I ended up picking Garrett. If you look at Garrett, 16 sacks. Last year, as I said, he can opt out after this upcoming season. And I think Miles Garrett leads the NFL in sacks this upcoming year. I have him having 18 and a half sacks, which should be enough to win the Defensive Player of the Year award. As for T.J. Watt, it's a contract year for him as well. He's going to likely opt out out of his current deal after this upcoming season's over and then ask for 30 plus million dollars per year in a new deal, which is gonna be the same, I believe, for Miles Garrett. So both these guys are in two big seasons here where they're gonna to try to opt out after this upcoming season's over and get themselves another contract, which is understandable. And credit to them, they've had great careers, so they deserve the 30 plus million dollars, even if they don't have monster years this year, just because of their ability and potential on the field when they are out there. But at the end of the day, if they do have monster years, let's say 15, 18 sacks, let's say, they're gonna get even more money. As for Garrett, I'm having 18 and a half sacks this upcoming year. For T.J. Watt, he struggled last year with an injury, missed seven games last year, just played in 10 regular season games and only had five and a half sacks. But he did have 22 and a half sacks in 2021 and was a Defensive Player of the Year award winner in that year. So he is very capable of that. So I have Myles Garrett as a winner, T.J. Watt as the runner-up, and then I have Sauce Gardner being another runner-up, which Sauce Gardner was the original guy I picked to win this award. He led the league in passes, defended last year with 20. He also had two interceptions, 75 tackles, and three tackles for loss. One of the best defensive backs in the NFL. I'd put him right in the conversation as the best cornerback in the NFL right now with, let's say, Jair Alexander. But I end up picking edge rushers here since it's typically an edge rusher that wins this award. Or a defensive lineman since Aaron Donald won it. He's a defensive tackle. So defensive line or an edge rusher, that's typically what wins this award. And if you look at it, since 2009, when Charles Woodson won it as a cornerback for the Packers, there's only been one cornerback that's won the award since 2009 when Charles Woodson won. And that was Stephon Gilmore in 2019. Recently, it was Nick Bosa last year, which I actually got that right in my predictions last year. TJ Watt in 2021. Aaron Donald in 2020. Gilmore in 2019. Donald in 2018. And Donald in 2017. So, if you look at the track history of the award over the last ten years or so, it's a lot of linebackers, defensive ends, defensive tackles, and pass rushers that win this award. It's not typically a cornerback, not typically a cornerback. So that's why it's tough picking Sauce Gardner to win this award, but I think he'll be in the conversation for it. As for offensive rookie of the year, I think Bijan Robinson, running back for the Atlanta Falcons, will win this award. If you look at what Bijan did in college for Texas, he was electric every single time the ball touched his hands. There was a chance he was taking it to the house. Whether it was with speed, going down the sidelines, whether it was in the middle of the field and making guys miss with his elusiveness, or it was just being smart, finding the right way to run, and just getting around guys with jukes, cuts, running people over. Bijan can beat you in many ways. So I see Bijan having a big season this year for Atlanta. I actually have him as my NFL rushing leader for this upcoming season with 1,755 rushing yards i have running for eight touchdowns on the ground and also adding in three touchdown receptions. So I have Bijan having a big, big season this year for Atlanta. As for my runner-up for this award, I have Jordan Addison, who I think is going to go for, let's say, 55 to 60 catches for 670 yards and five touchdowns. And then Jalen Hyatt is a long shot for this award. But I think he's going to catch people's eyes with what he's going to do this year for the Giants. I have Hyatt going for 33 catches, 550 yards, and five touchdowns this year, so not as many as Addison. Obviously, Bijan is levels ahead of him if you look at Bijan's total rushing yards and touchdowns. But I think Jalen Hyatt is very capable of making big plays for this Giants offense. He adds a part of the game the Giants haven't had in years past since Odo Beckham Jr. left, and then his game-breaking speed and a player that can beat you on a home run shot down the field. And that's what Hyatt brings to this Giants team. So I like Hyatt. I think he's going to be very good for this Giants team. He's a guy to keep your eye on as a long shot for this award. But I have Bijan winning it, and I have Addison being a runner-up there to Bijan. I think Hyatt, though, will be in the conversation. As for Defensive Rookie of the Year, this is more of a hot take, but I'm going Tyree Wilson, an edge rusher for the Las Vegas Raiders. He's 6'6", 275 pounds. And even though only three edge rushes have won the Defensive Rookie of the Year award since 2013 – I think Wilson is in position to win this award because he's going to a team in Vegas that needs pass rushing help besides Max Crosby and Chandler Jones, who don't really have much help on defense pass rushing-wise. So he's going to a team that has two really good pass rushes that the other team is going to have to account for with their offensive line, and maybe that helps Wilson get more sacks. But he was also very productive in college. Seven sacks last year and 14 tackles for a loss for Texas Tech, and he's going to a team that needs help on defense. They're going to need big plays, And I think he's going to step up. I think he's very capable of eight sacks this year for the Raiders defense and maybe 13 tackles for loss. He's my pick for defensive rookie of the year. As for coach of the year, I'm Arthur Smith of the Atlanta Falcons winning this award. Partly because he's been good in years past. Like the Falcons last year weren't a good team record-wise. If you look at the team, they only won seven games last season. But they lost a lot of close games, especially early in the season, which I was watching the quarterback show on Netflix, which Marcus Mariota is a quarterback at the beginning of last season for the Falcons, and they showed a lot of the games early in the season when he was starting, and they lost a lot of close games to begin the season. So if they could just find a way to win a couple of those close games at the beginning of the season, I think they're capable of winning 10 games this year, partly because the division is obviously poor as well, which obviously helps. When you have six games against that division, you probably should go 4-2, and two, considering the Panthers Probably shouldn't be a great team this year. At least that's what I think will happen. I don't think they're going to be very good. The Bucks are on the downtrend. They're not going to be a very good team. And the Saints will be probably even with the Falcons. I think the Saints will be a game behind the Falcons. So I have them both going roughly 10-7, and 9-8. and 8. So I'm going to give the whole record prediction for every single team in the NFL at the end of the episode. But I have the Falcons going 10-7. and 7. So in that case, Arthur Smith will be in the conversation definitely for coach of the year if that's the way things do work out. When he was with the Titans... They had a top offense in the red zone, and they made Ryan Tano very efficient. And even with their issues last season in pass defense and turnover margin, they were still competitive, but the issue was offense in the red zone and also a quarterback in Marcus Mariota that had some poor decisions along the way. Even though they did win some games early in the season with Mariota, it was a right decision for them to switch to Desmond Ritter and see what they could get out of him. So if they could get Desmond Ritter to be better in the red zone and be more efficient, and they're also adding in Bijan Robinson, a running back that's going to open up their offense completely, they're capable of 10 wins. And they were still competitive, as I said last year, with a poor pass defense and a bad turnover margin. So now with a better offense, with Bijan Robinson hopefully Desmond Ritter taking a step up this year, and also adding in threats like Calias Campbell and Jesse Bates on defense, along with Bud Dupree, their defense should be better too. So I have the Falcons going 10-7 and 7 this year. I think they win three more games this season than they did last season, which is actually the third largest jump from 2022 to 2023 in my predictions. So they had seven wins in 2022. I've been winning 10 games here in 2023. So I've been winning three more games from last year to this year, which is the third largest jump in my predictions, which I'm going to give a whole breakdown, as I said, of the win-loss record predictions at the end. As for the runner-up here for the Coach of the Year Award, I have Doug Peterson of the Jacksonville Jaguars being the runner-up. Jacksonville made the playoffs last year, so it's going to be hard for Doug Peterson to win this award. But I do think if Jacksonville wins, let's say, 11-12 games, which I've been winning, I think, 11 of my predictions, he will be in the conversation. So i have him being in the conversation here for the Coach of the Year Award. But at the end of the day, I'm going to go Arthur Smith of the Falcons. As for the last award that I'm going to talk about, Comeback Player of the Year, I have DeMar Hamlin winning this award. And a lot of people probably have him winning this award, and rightfully so. With everything DeMar Hamlin had to go through last year... And obviously making it back on an NFL field, that's just miraculous on its own. Just being able to get back on a field, that's miraculous on its own. He made the Bills' starting roster. He'll probably contribute for them in the defensive backfield this season, even if it's in a limited role compared to what he was doing last year. He's the Comeback Player of the Year award winner in my eyes, and I'm sure a lot of people have him winning in their predictions. And rightfully so, as I said, he deserves it. So, now I'm gonna give a look into my quarterback rankings from 1 through 32, which I did with the sports guru Mike Curley last week. And like I said, I was gonna probably update it before the season began. So, I'm gonna show you guys some minor changes that I made to the list 1 through 32. So, before I give the 1 through 32 list everyone in order, I'm gonna give you guys the minor changes to start. So, I have Sam Howell moving up from 26 to 23. I have two Attack of Aloha moving up from 10 to 7. I have Kirk Cousins moving up from 13 to 11. I have Jordan Love moving up from 30 to 28, and I have Kyla Murray falling from 23 to 26. I have Kenny Pickett moving up from 21 to 20, and I have Jimmy Garoppolo moving up from 15 to 14. The thing with Kyla Murray dropping is I'm not even sure he's gonna play this season, so it's hard to have him at 23. I'm at 26 now in my updated rankings. Now I'm gonna give everybody 1 through 32 really quick, just give you guys a quick rundown of the updated list. So Patrick Mahomes at 1, Joe Barrow at 2, Trevor Lawrence at 3. Lamar Jackson at four, Daniel Jones at five. One thing with Daniel Jones is his completion percentage has gotten better every single year, and obviously the turnovers have gotten better every single year as well. He went from 62% to 62.5% to 64% to 66.7% last year in completion percentage, which is ninth best in the NFL. I think the completion percentage will probably be around 65%, 66% this year, but I think the yards and the touchdown total will be up this year. I have Daniel Jones at five. I know it's a hard take to most people. But I believe in Daniel Jones, I believe in this offense, and I think he's going to do big things for this team this year. I have Jalen Hurts at six, two attack of a lower at seven, Aaron Rodgers at eight, Josh Allen at nine, which I know it's a hot take. I think Josh Allen, even though he is a very good quarterback, I think he is the most overrated quarterback in the NFL. With that being said, he's still a good quarterback. It can be true that you're a good quarterback and still be overrated. I think he's a very good quarterback, but at the same time, I do think he's overrated by the media. Every single year, as I've mentioned now in multiple episodes, the Bills have the aspirations and the expectations to win the Super Bowl, and they have lost two straight years in the divisional round, almost losing last year in the wild card round to Skyler Thompson in the Miami Dolphins. So I think Josh Allen has to prove to me a little more that he can win some big games, And that's why I have him at ninth. I think the Bills end up losing actually in the first round of the playoffs this year. And that's why I have him being stuck at ninth overall in my rankings. And this is based on where I think guys are going to end up by the end of the season. So this isn't where I think guys are right now, one through 32. This is where I think guys will end up. At number 10, I have Jared Goff. At number 11, I have Kirk Cousins. At number 12, I have Justin Herbert. Yet again, same thing as Josh Allen, a quarterback that I think is overhyped by the media. I think he's a good quarterback. But at the end of the day, I don't see him in the same class as Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes. I know a lot of people see him in that conversation, but I don't really see him there. At the end of the day, he hasn't really done much in the playoffs with that Chargers team. Still hasn't won a playoff game with the Chargers. Last year was his first appearance, and the Chargers end up blowing a huge lead against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I think with Justin Herbert, I think it's similar to Josh Allen. I think they're both very similar quarterbacks. 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, can move their legs, have mobility in the pocket, have strong arms that can throw 70, 75 yards off their back foot, and at the end of the day, that's just what's flashy to people in today's day in the NFL. Everybody loves the quarterback that's 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, that can throw 70 yards with ease. Just like everybody loves the 5'9", five, 5'10", five, receivers that can run 4'3",s and look like Tyreek Hill on a streak. That's what everybody loves to see in a receiver and a quarterback. That's just the way the NFL is trending. Everybody wants the next Tyreek Hill. Just like everybody wants that next quarterback that's 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, that can air it out and throw 70 yards off their back foot. And that's why I think the NFL has an issue with people overrating quarterbacks, let's say like Josh Allen and Justin Herbert, since I think they're both good quarterbacks, both very good quarterbacks. I still have them both in my top 12 here. So at the end of the day, they're still very good quarterbacks. Elite talent, obviously, with their arm strength. But I don't see them in the same conversation as Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes. That doesn't mean they can't get them. Maybe they're, they're going to surprise me this year and have very good seasons, and I hope so, as well. This isn't me rooting against these guys. But they haven't won big playoff games yet. And they both have been in the conversation, in the media, as the next best quarterbacks in the NFL next to Burrow and Mahomes. And I just haven't seen it. I just haven't seen it. I think they're overrated. Obviously have very good arm strength. Can throw 70, 75 yards with ease. Make it look very easy throwing across their body. But at the end of the day, they haven't had that play of success. Even though Josh Allen has made it to an AFC Championship game, he hasn't made it to a Super Bowl yet. And has lost in the division around two straight years. Justin Herbert. Lost last year in a playoff game against the Jacksonville Jaguars when he was up by four touchdowns and ended up blowing that lead. So I think Herbert and Allen are in the same class. Two quarterbacks at a 6'5", 6'6", very strong arms. And people fall in love with that prospect in today's day in the NFL. Everybody loves the quarterbacks that can throw with ease. But I'm just not fully in on Herbert and Allen. I think Herbert has the talent, just like Josh Allen has the talent. But they have to put it together in the bigger games and make a run deep in the playoffs. Allen's made to an AFC Championship game. But I want to see that next step, see him make a Super Bowl. As for Justin Herbert, a start would be just winning a playoff game, maybe two. Maybe winning a couple playoff games this year. That would be obviously a great start. If he could just win one playoff game, that's obviously improvement. And he has the weapons. Herbert has Quinton Johnston and Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, Gerald Everett, Mike Williams. He has the talent around him to perform and put up big numbers. And the defense is great there for the Chargers as well. So they're still a team not to gawk at and just pretend that they're not a playoff contender. I still have them being a 10-win team. But I do have them missing the playoffs, so with that being said. As for the Bills, they still have a lot of talent around Josh Allen as well. And they added in the offseason, Dalton Kincaid, getting Damian Harris. They obviously have Stephon Diggs, who's a true wide receiver one. Gabe Davis, James Cook at running back. They have good talent around Josh Allen as well. These two guys, though, very similar in my eyes. Two quarterbacks that both need to take a step up in my eyes. And that's not me rooting against him, as I said. It's just I feel like when you look at the media, whether it's ESPN, NFL Network, Fox Sports, Twitter, Instagram, everybody's always talking about Josh Allen and Justin Herbert being right up there with Mahomes and Burrow. And I just haven't been on board with that ever, really, just because I need to see them take another step up. Maybe winning a big playoff game would be the start. They have Herbert and maybe for Allen making the Super Bowl, and maybe they both prove me wrong. And I hope so, honestly. I do hope for both of them there. But as I said, I just don't see it. I have Allen at 9 and I have Herbert at 12. Dak Prescott, I have him at 13. Jimmy Garoppolo at 14. With Devontae added to Josh Jacobs, that's a perfect landing spot for Jimmy Garoppolo. I think the Raiders could surprise some people this year a little bit. And they also added in a wide receiver and Jacoby Myers that gets open a ton, which would help Jimmy Garoppolo. He's used to that with the 49ers, having receivers that are open that a good route run is. And Jacoby Myers is that, good route running and has good hands. At 15, I have Matt Stafford. And with Cooper Cup being out a couple games, that definitely hurts Stafford. He's going to be out at least week one, Cooper Cup. I'd imagine probably week two as well. And that's obviously a worry. But last year in just nine games, Cooper Cup was able to bring in 75 receptions for 812 yards and six touchdowns. So he's still a big player receiver even when he is only playing half a season. That's a wide receiver one there when he is on the field. And when he's out there, he's as good as any receiver in the NFL. And Mike Hurley, the sports guru, credit to him, he kind of convinced me on that. He's right. Cooper Cup, when he is out there, he's unstoppable. I still think Devontae Adams is the most talented receiver in the NFL, but Cooper Cup is right there as well. And obviously, there's some, there's some other guys as well. Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill. The receivers in the NFL in today's day, it's stacked. So it's tough to be the best receiver in today's day in the NFL. But Cooper Cup is right up there. As a receiver to watch out for for this Rams team, Puka Nakua. A rookie wide receiver who gets open, and I think he'll make plays for this Rams team. A guy that I think people will like quickly, considering Cooper Cup is out to start the season, at least in week one. I think Nakua is a guy to watch out for, a very underrated receiver that people will be looking to pick up in fantasy football at some point this season, maybe even early in the season, week one, if he has a big week. At 16th, I have Derek Carr, who's now the quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. And the Saints offense has a lot of talent. They're an interesting offense to look at because they have Alvin Kamara, who's suspended to start the other first three games, but he'll be back in week four. They have Jamal Williams, a very good pass-catching back, that was one of the best in the NFL last year, especially the goal line. He led the NFL in rushing touchdowns. They have rookie running back Kendra Miller from TCU. They have Michael Thomas, still a wide receiver, even though he's been hurt for a majority of the last three or four seasons. Still a very talented wide receiver. He's a wide receiver two in that offense. Chris Olave is a wide receiver one. And a rookie wide receiver, an AT Perry from Wake Forest, I'm a big fan of. Bigger receiver that can go up and get it. Very interesting offense around Derek Carr. I think he's going to put up good numbers this year. Maybe 4,100 passing yards. 28 touchdowns to 12 picks. That's just what came to my mind when I thought about what's Derek Carr going to go for this year. So this is my prediction on Derek Carr. I've CJ Stroud at 17, which that's higher than most people going to have him. But I think when you look at this offense, he has Robert Woods, Tank Dell, who I think is going to be a baller, a big fantasy sleeper star, I think, is Tank Dell. And he also has John the III. So those are his three receivers. Has Damien Pierce in the backfield and Devin Singletary. And then also a tight end, Dalton Schultz, who was a very good tight end, over the last couple seasons for the Dallas Cowboys. And one last player I want to mention on this Texans team is Nico Collins, who's going to be a top receiver on this offense as well. But I think Tank Dell should end up being the wide receiver one by the end of the season. Even though that's probably a hot take, I think Tank Dell is the most talented receiver on this team, and I think he's going to put up big numbers for Houston this year. I think he's going to have a great connection with C.J. Stroud. But I've Stroud at 17, and that's higher than most people are going to have him. But I think when you look at his stats at at the end of this upcoming season, I think people will be impressed It really finishes this season with respect to his situation. He doesn't have a perfect offensive line, doesn't have a true wide receiver one, which with that being said, not many rookie quarterbacks have a good offensive line and a true wide receiver one and a great running back. That's just not the case. Typically, when you're a great quarterback, you get drafted to the team that needs the most needs, with quarterback being the biggest need, obviously, that a team needs. But when you look at Stroud, I think the Texans are going to be playing from down in a lot of games, which might help Stroud's numbers. Maybe it's going to be a let's just air it out and see what happens type of situation in a lot of games if they're down by a couple scores, let's say in the third or fourth quarter. But I think Stroud's going to put up good numbers this year. Maybe he's not going to put up top half of the league touchdown numbers and yards numbers, which I think he's capable of it. Maybe he's not going to put up those numbers. But when you look at his numbers at the end of the season, I think people are going to have respect for him and be impressed at where he finishes this season with respect to what he has around him. So I've Stroud at 17, I have Geno Smith at 18. And Geno Smith has a lot of weapons around him. He has DK Metcalf at wide receiver. Tyler Lockett, who was one of the best receivers in the NFL last year alongside DK Metcalf. Jackson Smith and Jigba, they add from Ohio State in the draft. They have Noah Fant at tight end. They have Zach Charbonnet, a rookie running back in the backfield. And they have Kenneth Walker, who really broke out last season for the Seattle Seahawks. Was a great breakout star in fantasy especially. So there's a lot of talent around Geno Smith on that offense. But I think Geno Smith regresses this year. I don't think he puts up the same totals that he put up last year. I don't see him going for 30 touchdowns with 4,282 passing yards and a 70% completion percentage and also 11 interceptions. I don't really see that happening this upcoming year. Even though he had a very good year last year, and credit to him, really broke out last year, was a comeback player of the year award, winner in the NFL, led the NFL in completion percentage. I see him taking a slight step back. As I do seeing the same thing happen to the Seattle Seahawks, I see him taking a slight step back, meaning they went eight games and just missed the playoffs. That's where I have the Seahawks at. So I have Geno Smith roughly at, let's say, 25 passing touchdowns, 12 picks, a 65% completion percentage, and let's say 3,800 passing yards. I think he takes a slight step back. Still is a good quarterback, still has decent numbers, but I don't see the Seahawks being at the same level this upcoming season. And even though a lot of people are big fans of the Seahawks this year and their predictions, I see them taking a slight step back. At number 19, I have Deshaun Walton. And I don't see Deshaun Walton putting up the numbers he did when he was a quarterback for the Houston Texans again. Even though he was a great quarterback back then and had big numbers, I don't see him doing that again. And I thought Deshaun Watson was overrated back in the day when he was a quarterback for the Texans. And I never thought he was worth the trade package that the Browns had to trade for him and also the guaranteed money he had to get as well. I thought that was crazy. And I'm happy the New York Giants never traded for him, never gave him that money. I know a lot of people that were Giants fans wanted him on Twitter. I know a lot of people on ESPN, including Dan Olofsky, said the Giants should trade three or four first-round picks and go and get Deshaun Watson. And this was a couple summers ago. I'm happy the Giants didn't do that. Because I don't see Deshaun Watson becoming the quarterback he was for the Texans. I think he was only really good back then. It was a top-tier quarterback. Let's say top five in the NFL at that time, numbers-wise. Because the Texans were always playing from down in games. And it was a big, let's just air it out and see what happens type of situation. He also had DeAndre Hopkins as well. This offense doesn't have DeAndre Hopkins. Even though Amari is a great wide receiver, he's not a true wide receiver one like DeAndre Hopkins. I think Amari is like a wide receiver one and a half. Between a wide receiver one and a wide receiver two. Elijah Moore... Very good receiver, probably ends up being his wide receiver too. Was very good a couple seasons ago with Zach Wilson and the Jets. Last season struggled, obviously had a lot going on with the Jets. Wasn't really happy there and ends up getting traded. I see him being the wide receiver two in the offense. I think he's going to have a good year. Maybe let's say 55 catches for 580 yards and five touchdowns. David Njoku is a very good tight end. Nick Chubb, very good running back, one of the best in the NFL. I see Deshaun Watson though being the 19th quarterback. If you look at his numbers from last year on six dots, seven touchdowns, five interceptions, and 1,100 passing yards with an average of 183 passing yards per game. This is a guy that once threw for 301 passing yards per game in 2020 with the Texans. Also threw for 256 and 260 per game in the two seasons prior with the Texans. It was a Pro Bowl in three straight seasons for the Texans from 2018 to 2020. I don't see him throwing for a league lead 4,800 passing yards again like he did in 2020. I think he will struggle with interceptions this year. I think he'll be right around, let's say, 14 to 15 interceptions, probably be in the top in the NFL in interceptions this upcoming season. Even though he could throw for, let's say, 25, 26 touchdowns this year, I think interceptions will be a problem for him, and I think he'll throw maybe 14, which should be a career high for Deshaun Watson in his career. His previous career high for interceptions was 12 in 2019. I think he goes over that this year with at least, let's say, 13 to 14 picks. So that's how I feel about Deshaun Watson. I have at 19. At 20, I have Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett looked great in the preseason. Five drives he played in the preseason, Pittsburgh scored on all five drives and scored five touchdowns in those five drives. He was 13-15 passing with 199 yards and two touchdowns. He looks great in the preseason. And with George Pickens being his potential wide receiver one, I think they're going to have a great connection this year. I think Pickett to Pickens is going to be a great connection this year. Deontay Johnson, another good receiver that can get separation. The problem with him has been drops. Hopefully he's better with that this year. And maybe catches some more touchdowns. He had no touchdowns last season. Still had very good numbers though. Other than that, 86 catches, 882 yards, but no touchdowns. But in his previous three seasons in the NFL, five touchdowns, seven touchdowns, eight touchdowns. So he is very capable of making plays. It's just last year was a tough year for him. Hopefully he catches, let's say, five touchdowns this year. That would be big for Kenny Pickett in that offense. But I think George Pickens will emerge as the wide receiver one there. At 21, we have Justin Fields who added another weapon in the offseason, getting DJ Moore from Carolina. Also still has Donnell Mooney and Chase Claypool. And now is starting running back as Khalil Herbert, with David Montgomery leaving for Detroit. I think Justin Fields will be middle of the pack this year. Probably be a better rusher than he is a passer like he was last year. So that's why I'm at 21. He's still going to get rushing yards. Probably use his legs a lot more than he should, considering he could get hurt, especially with the amount he ran last season. But he also added in D.J. Moore, so I think he's going to be able to pass the ball a little bit easier than he did last year. D.J. Moore is an underrated receiver and a guy that I was never too big of a fan of when he was on Carolina. Then I looked at the stats this offseason, and I looked at it, and I said, wow, I mean, he's actually a good player. He's really like a wide receiver one and a half. I'd say he's between a one and a two. I always thought he was a two. He's between a one and a two. He's right there. Maybe he takes a step up and is a wide receiver one this year. I think he's very good fantasy value where he's drafted. He's a guy to keep your eye on this year. To be a potential breakout player, even though he's been good in the NFL over the last few years." Maybe he becomes a legitimate wide receiver one if things were to work out between him and Fields. And I'm saying wide receiver one in fantasy. Maybe he takes a big step up this year. We'll see how that goes. But I think TJ Moore is a talented receiver. I think he's going to do big things with Justin Fields. Maybe, let's say, 80 catches for 1,125 yards and 7 touchdowns. Which I know I'm throwing a lot of numbers at you guys. These are just numbers that come to my head when I think about where I think these players are going to be at this season. So I apologize for all the numbers, but at the end of the day, I want to give some predictions for stat lines for guys. So I'm just going to throw them out there, and maybe I'll hit on a couple, uh, and that would be obviously fun to watch if I were to. But it is hard, as I said at the beginning. It's hard to give predictions. It's hard to give hot takes. Not many people are ever right with a lot of these, considering they are hot takes for a reason. They are predictions for a reason. No one ever knows what's going to happen. That's the beauty of... Of the NFL starting tonight, nobody knows what's going to happen this upcoming season, who's going to win. Everybody is still competing for a Super Bowl week one. All 32 teams have their eyes on the Super Bowl. Whether or not they're going to make it there and whether or not they have the team to make it there, that's obviously a question, but everybody's competing to make it. So everybody has a shot to try to win the Super Bowl, just like everybody has the chance of getting a prediction right at this point in the season. Just like it could go wrong as well, though. The same thing goes for team losing right now and not having a team that could win a Super Bowl, and the same goes for having a prediction that doesn't go right It could go both ways. So that's why it's fun to give predictions for the season and watch what happens over the course of the year. So 21, i failed. And number 22, I've Brock Purdy, which he still hasn't lost a game that he's fully played in the NFL. So I give him credit. He's found a way to win the games he's been in. But he's also playing in the easiest system with Kyle Shanahan leading the offense, with Christian McCaffrey as his lead weapon, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Elijah Mitchell. He has all the weapons around him to succeed. And that's why I have Purdy at 22. Because at the end of the day, I think he's in the easiest situation to succeed. And he also has a good offensive line as well. And a good defense. And a good team all around him. So it's definitely easier for Brock Purdy to do big things than it would be for, let's say, I don't know, Sam Howell this year with Washington. But I think Brock Purdy's situation helps him a lot more than most other quarterbacks. And rightfully so. I don't think anybody's going to really disagree with that. I think everybody sees Brock Purdy's situation as a favorable situation. And last year he went in and didn't have to make too many big-time passes because they were up in a lot of games. The defense was really good. Given it Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield, and he finds a way to make a few guys miss. Brandon Ayuk, Deebo Sam. I mean, you, you just have so many weapons there. That also was ridiculous, and it definitely helped Brock Purdy. I don't expect him to put up the same exact numbers that he did last year. I think he's going to go for, let's say, roughly 3,200 passing yards, 25 passing touchdowns, let's say 13 picks. That offense definitely makes it easier on him, and that's why I don't give him as much credit as I would to some other quarterbacks. It's still hard to step in the NFL, especially being Mr. Irrelevant, having to work your way up the depth chart, and obviously getting an opportunity with the injuries that the Niners had last season. So credit to the kid for working his way up and obviously putting in all the time and effort to put up good numbers last season. But I don't think he's going to go undefeated, obviously, in every game he's going to play for the rest of his career. I don't think anybody thinks that. That's just very unlikely. And obviously a crazy thing to think about. No one's going to go undefeated for their whole career in every single game they fully play in. But I think if you look at the situation around him, it definitely makes it easier on him. I still don't see him putting up ridiculous numbers this year, though. I see 25 passing touchdowns for him, and let's say 13 picks and 3,200 passing yards. I don't see a ridiculous stat line, even with all those weapons. I think he takes a slight step back from the expectations he had last season, which the expectations when he stepped in last season weren't high. But when he started to win some games and started to find a way to throw two or three touchdowns a game, people started thinking they're not just going to the Super Bowl with this kid, at quarterback. And I don't see them winning the Super Bowl even though I actually have them making it to the Super Bowl this year, I don't see them winning it with him at quarterback. Credit to the kid and everything he did last year, and hopefully he proves me wrong. But at the end of the day, it is tough to bet on that kid when last year, he did go into the perfect situation, didn't have any pressure on him. When Trey Lance went down, Jimmy G went down. The Niners were just happy they had a quarterback that could throw the ball over the line of scrimmage and give some touch passes and dump offs to the running backs. That's what really we really need in that offense. Just some touch passes, 20-yard posts. Five yard slants. That's all you really need in that offense, considering how shifty and versatile a lot of those weapons are in that offense. And you also have a great defense and a great system around you. It makes it easier on you. So I'm not really buying into Purdy being a Super Bowl winner, but I think they could make it there considering how good the team is around them. But with that being said, I think if Sam Donald steps in, which I think is going to happen at some point this season, even though I didn't mention that now, I want to mention that in my hot takes, but that's going to be the end of the episode. I think Sam Donald's going to step in at some point and be the quarterback for them, whether or not it's because Purdy's struggling or because, let's say, they just want to see what it looks like with Sam Donald in that offense, which is probably unlikely. Purdy's the starter, so at the end of the day, it'd have to be Purdy struggling. And then maybe Sam Donald gets an opportunity. And if he does indeed get a chance to play for the Niners and start a quarterback, I think Sam Donald's going to look very good in that offense, and i take them to the Super Bowl, which I have them going to the Super Bowl anyways. So whether or not Purdy's the quarterback or Donald. As a quarterback, I have them going to the Super Bowl regardless in our predictions. But they are very capable of making it and making a run with Sam Donald quarterback. The same goes for Brock Purdy. I mean, that offense, you don't really need to do too much. But I think Sam Donald would thrive in that offense. I would see Sam Donald throwing for, let's say, 28 touchdowns and 3,600 passing yards. And let's say 12 picks in that offense. I think Sam Donald would look unreal in that San Francisco 49ers offense. As do a lot of quarterbacks, considering it's easier To work with an offense that that has all those weapons and a good offensive line and a good system, it's easy to work with that offense than it would be, let's say, the Arizona Cardinals this year. And the reality is Sam Donalds has the talent, just has been poor with decision-making over his career. But he's never had this offensive line, has never had this offensive system or or a head coach like Kyle Shanahan, and has never had the weapons that San Francisco has. He's on a winning team for once if he were to be the starter quarterback for the Niners. So I'd buy into Sam Donald being the quarterback for the Niners. I mentioned it before. I think Sam Donald would be starting if I was the coach there for the Niners. But obviously Purdy earned his spot to be the starter considering what he did last year. So they're going to roll with Purdy and see what happens. But I think at some point, Donald would step in. At 23, I have Sam Howell, who I think is going to surprise a lot of people. I think Sam Howell is going to be a solid quarterback this year for the Washington Commanders. I see Howell throwing for, let's say, 26 touchdowns and 14 picks with 3,250 passing yards. It sounds like a lot, probably a crazy hot take to a lot of people, but I think he's going to be slinging it around. When you have Jahan Dotson and Terry McLaurin at wide receiver and Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson at running back, you can move the ball with those weapons. You can move the ball with that offense. I think Sam Howell is a very good arm, and I think he's going to take some deep shots down the field. I think the commanders are going to be playing down in a lot of games. They're going to be playing from down, let's say, 10 points in the third or fourth quarter. I think Sam Howell's is going to be slinging it and throwing it deep. And with Dotson, being a big touchdown threat last year, and Terry McLaurin being one of the best route runners in the NFL and having very good hands, and a great running back in Brian Gibson, who I think is going to break out this year, and Antonio Gibson, who's a very good receiving back, I think Howell's going to put up solid numbers. I see 26 touchdowns at 14 picks. So now, crazy numbers with the interceptions. Obviously, 14 is not great, which he might be in the top of the NFL in interceptions in that case, but they're going to be playing down in games, and that's why I think he's going to be high in passing yards, and that's why I think his numbers are going to be solid. I have Howell at 23. At 24, I have Desmond Ritter, who I think is going to take a step up this year. What do I see from Ritter? I see 3,000 passing yards, 22 passing touchdowns, 10 interceptions, and 4 rushing touchdowns this year, which would be a combined 26 touchdowns. Partly because the offense is going to be better with B. John Robinson. You have B. John Robinson as your lead back, a guy that's a game-breaker with his speed and his talent. It's going to open up the offense completely with play action. When you can do play action with B. John Robinson, the defense is going to bite, which will open up some room downfield for Desmond Ritter to throw. Drake London, I think, is going to be a breakout wide receiver this year. Tyler O'G is a solid backup running back. Kyle Pitts, very athletic tight end that really hasn't fully blossomed in the NFL. Maybe he takes a step up this year. We'll see. Cordero Patterson, very good back. That could do a lot of things for them. Catch out of the backfield, block, run, hide, and short yardage. They have a decent offense there. I see Desmond Ritter being a solid quarterback this year for Atlanta. At 25, I have Mac Jones, who I think will have a very good year. Considering what he did last year, I think it's going to be a step up for what he was doing last year, but I think this team struggles. Considering how good the division is, their poor offensive line, and also question marks at wide receiver. Are Juju Smith-Schuster and Devontae Parker going to stay healthy? They're both really wide receiver twos that are probably going to be wide receiver one and two on this offense. Tyquan Thornton's a question mark. We'll see if he can really break out this year. I'm not really too sure of how good he's going to be. And then they also have Kendrick Bourne, who was good two years ago with Mac Jones, but last year didn't get really as much run on the field. So we'll see what this offense looks like. But I think they're going to struggle as a team. But I think Mac Jones will have a good year. I think he's going to put up solid numbers. And you also have Ramondre Stevenson as a check-down machine, just being able to just throw it to him out of the backfield and see what he can do, see if he can help you out in short yardage situations, and maybe get six, seven yards Every single time he touches the ball out of the backfield in a passing situation. Because Armando Stevenson's is a shifty back. Was very good last year in the pass game. Got about five or six yards every now and then out of the backfield just on checkdowns. So he's going to be got guy to keep your eye on. I think Mac Jones will be 25. At 26, I have Kyler Murray. And I don't really have much faith in Kyler Murray playing this year. And even if he does, I don't think he's going to have a great season. Marquise Brown's a very good receiver. James Conner is a running back that's, I think, on the downtrend. And then Rondale Moore is a wide receiver, too. I don't think that offense is going to be really good. I think that team as a whole is going to struggle, and I think they're tanking for next year to get Caleb Boom. So I'm not really high on Kyla Murray this year. I think he'll be gone from the Arizona Cardinals after this upcoming season's over, whether or not he plays this season at all. Whether or not he plays, he'll be gone after this season's over. At 27, I have Bryce Young, rookie quarterback out of Alabama, very successful in college, going to Carolina, a team that doesn't really have a great offensive line, and the weapons aren't really elite there. Adam Thielen is a good wide receiver too. DJ Chalk's a good wide receiver, too. Miles Sanders is a good running back. I think he's going to take a step back this year. And the Chuba Hubbard is a solid backup running back. Bryce Young really doesn't have the best formula around him to succeed this year, but it's going to be a growing season and learning and developing in the NFL this year for Bryce Young. So you don't need too many big things out of him. As for 28, I have Jordan Love, which he has a good receiver in, Christian Watson, who had some touchdowns last year with Aaron Rodgers, seven touchdowns overall. Had a big year with Aaron Rodgers. We'll see what Jordan Love looks like with Christian Watson this year. And then the Packers also have two very good running backs in A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. But I'm not really that high on the Packers being great this year. So I have Jordan Love at 28. We'll see what happens. I don't think the Packers are going to win many games So I think I have them at six or seven wins. So I have Love at 28. A lot of the quarterbacks are my top are quarterbacks that are on playoff teams. If you're on a bad team, a team that I don't think is going to do great, you're kind of on the downtrend in the lower half. Let's say 27, 28, 29, 30 range which I'm not really high on the Packers this year, so I have Jordan Love at 28. But for reference, a quarterback that I'm high on is, let's say, two attack of a lower. I have him at seven. I think the Dolphins are going to be really good this year. Desmond Ritter, I have a 24. I think the Falcons will be good this year. I have them making the playoffs. But that's the last quarterback listed. 24 is the last quarterback I have listed that's going to make the playoffs. After that, these guys, I all think, are going to miss the playoffs. At 29, I have Russell Wilson, who really struggled last season, which I saw Russell Wilson regressing anyways in Seattle, and I'm happy the Giants didn't trade for him because Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, a lot of fans, a lot of analysts on ESPN, Fox Sports, Colin Coward included, wanted the Giants to trade for Russell Wilson. It really worked out for them that they didn't because Daniel Jones is better than Russell Wilson, and at the end of the day, the money that Russell Wilson got from Denver and also the package they had to trade to Seattle to get him, just ridiculous. I'm not really that high on Russell Wilson this year. I think he'll have a better year than he did last year, but I still have at 29 I don't think he's going to be great this year. Even though Jerry Judy finished last season strong, I'm not really that high on Russell Wilson. At 30, I have Ryan Tannehill. And Ryan Tannehill's been an average quarterback in the NFL, has had them be a competitive team just about his whole time there in Tennessee, making it to the playoffs, being the number one seed at one point. But I'm not really that high on Tennessee. And I think Malik Willis will step in at some point midseason as a starting quarterback. At 31, I have Bacon Mayfield. And if he could be the quarterback he was drafted to be out of Oklahoma, maybe there's a chance that Tampa Bay surprises people this year. But the issue with Baker Mayfield is decision-making. And he's never been able to put it all together in the NFL. If Brady couldn't win last year with Tampa Bay, what makes you think that Baker Mayfield's going to go there and they're going to make noise? Maybe they can make some noise and win some games. You don't expect them, considering how good their weapons are. Chris Godwin, Mike Evans. I think Rashad White's going to be a breakout wide receiver this year. Who knows how this team's going to perform. But if Tom Brady couldn't do much with that team last season, you can't expect Baker Mayfield to step in there and do big things. I agree with Mike Hurley, the sports guru. I think there's a chance he could do a Jameis Winston type of season and throw 25 touchdowns and, let's say, 20 picks. That could be the case just if they're doing a screw, let's just throw a deep every play. I don't see that happening. I think he can throw, let's say, 22 touchdowns, let's say, and 12 picks. That's my guess with Baker Mayfair. Maybe 20 touchdowns, 12 picks, roughly there. I think Rashad White's going to be a big part of that offense. I think he's going to get a lot of rushing touchdowns, maybe eight this year. I'll give you guys my predictions on him. In the next episode, I'm going to do a fantasy episode talking about studs versus duds and breakouts versus fakeouts. So two different categories of players, studs and duds, two different things there. Who's going to be a stud, who's going to be a dud? And then breakouts and fakeouts, who's going to be a breakout player, who's going to be a fakeout player? I'm going to mention Rashad White in that segment, which is going to be in the next episode. But I'm not too high on Baker Mayfield and the Buccaneers this year, so I have Baker at 31. And at 32, I have Anthony Richardson, which is obviously a big situation with Jonathan Taylor. Who knows if he's going to play it all. He's out at least the first four weeks of the season. I think there's a chance he doesn't play at all this season. Michael Pittman's a solid wide receiver one. And I think Anthony Richardson is going to have some electric runs that will catch people's eyes. And definitely ESPN will love it when he makes a big play with his legs. And he has a very strong arm, has an absolute cannon. But the issue with him is accuracy. And I think it's going to take him some time to learn that in the NFL. So i have at 32. And I think the Colts are going to be really poor this year. So it's tough to be a quarterback going into that system that doesn't have a great offensive line and obviously doesn't have their best player in Jonathan Taylor. So one thing I did with the quarterbacks from last season is I took every single quarterback that played last season, threw them all into a spreadsheet, and then took their passing touchdowns and rushing touchdowns, combined the two to make a total touchdowns category, and I took their interceptions and fumbles lost and made that a separate category, a total turnovers category, and I divided total touchdowns by total turnovers just to see which quarterbacks had the best ratio of touchdowns to turnovers. And Jalen Hurts was at number one. 4.375 touchdowns per turnover last season, with 35 total touchdowns and eight total turnovers last year. At number two is Patrick Mahomes. He had 45 total touchdowns and 12 total turnovers for 3.75 touchdowns per turnover. At number three, we had Brock Purdy, who had a total of 14 touchdowns with four turnovers for 3.5 touchdowns per turnover. At number four, we had Jimmy Garoppolo, who only played in 11 games. Brock Purdy only played in nine, but Jimmy G only played in 11 games and had 18 total touchdowns to six total turnovers, so three touchdowns per turnover. After that, we had Jared Goff, 29 total touchdowns to 10 total turnovers for 2.9 touchdowns per turnover. At sixth, we had Tua Tagovailoa, who had 25 total touchdowns and nine total turnovers for 2.77 touchdowns per turnover last season. And then at seventh, we had Daniel Jones who had 22 total touchdowns last year, 15 passing, 7 rushing, and 8 total turnovers, just 3 fumbles lost, and 5 interceptions, for 2.75 touchdowns per turnover last season. And that's one thing that I love about Daniel Jones, is that over the last few seasons, he's not only gotten better fumbles-wise, only 3 fumbles lost last season, with 6 fumbles, just 3 lost, but he also found a way to cut down on on the interceptions. And one thing I want to see out of Daniel Jones this season is cutting down on the turnover, staying where he's at right now turnovers-wise, and then adding touchdowns. I want to see him roughly at the same touchdown-to-turnover ratio, but I want to see him at, let's say, 30 total touchdowns, 35 total touchdowns. That's what I want to see out of Daniel Jones this season, which I think he's very capable of. I think Daniel Jones is going to get him in the conversation of that top five range of touchdowns to turnovers, which if you look at Hurts, he's 4.375, Mahomes 3.75, Purdy was 3.5, Jimmy G was three and Jared Goff is 2.9. I think Daniel Jones is very capable of that three range. 35, 36 total touchdowns, and let's say 12 turnovers. With Let's say eight interceptions, 10 interceptions, and two fumbles. Who knows what it may be? But I think Daniel Jones is going to get him up in that category of total touchdowns to total turnovers, which is the category I just made of my own that I want to see where Daniel Jones would rank. And he's ahead of Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is eighth in that category. 40 total touchdowns to 15 total turnovers. He's at 266 total touchdowns per turnover. Probably because he's a better offense. Joe Byrow, obviously a very good arm. I think he's the second best quarterback in the NFL. And he takes a lot more risks. When you take a lot more risks and throw the ball deep, a lot of the time it can work out. You can get a touchdown throw to Jamal Chase, but you could also get picked at the same time. Which Joe Burrow did with some interceptions last year as well. But obviously it worked out. Joe Burrow is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and rightfully so. And then, one guy I want to mention was Josh Allen, who's at 11th in total touchdowns to total turnovers. At 2.21, Total touchdowns per turnover last season. Allen had 42 total touchdowns and 19 total turnovers. He actually led the NFL in total turnovers last season with 19. Led the NFL in total turnovers. Which is crazy because at the end of the day, obviously he was right up there in total touchdowns considering how good of a quarterback he is. And like I said, he does put up great numbers and he's a very talented quarterback. He was number two in total touchdowns last season in the NFL. But he also had the most total turnovers. 13 fumbles last year with five of them being lost. No one really talks about the total turnovers there for Josh Allen. He had 19 last year. And obviously, partly because of the total touchdowns he has. That's why no one talks about the turnovers. But he does turn the ball over a lot for a top quarterback. Mahomes just turned it over 12 times last year. Joe Burrow turned it over 15 times. So Josh Allen's the highest there with 19. But he also has second highest in total touchdowns of 42. So credit to him on that. He does put up a lot of numbers. But nobody talks about the turnovers with Josh Allen. And another guy I want to mention was Justin Herbert, who was at 14th in this metric I made with 25 total touchdowns last year and 13 total turnovers with 1.92 total touchdowns per turnover last year. So we'll see how these guys look this year in this metric. This is something I just did for fun. And some guys that have a high on this year weren't really great last year in this metric. Trevor Lawrence was at 21st this metric last year, 30 total touchdowns with 17 total turnovers, one76 Total touchdowns per turnover last year. We'll see what he looks like this year. He had nine fumbles lost last season with 12 total fumbles and also eight interceptions. We'll see what he looks like this year. But I think Trevor Lawrence's total touchdowns are going to go up heavily this year with Calvin Ridley being his wide receiver one. And obviously with him being more comfortable in the NFL and developing, we'll see what his numbers look like. And this metric isn't everything. I just did it for fun to see what Daniel Jones would rank in total touchdowns per turnover because I knew last year Daniel Jones didn't turn the ball over much. And there wasn't really much talk about other guys that turned the ball over a lot Let's say, like, Josh Allen. Not many people talked about him turning the ball over last year. And at the end of the day, it's probably because of the total touchdowns he had. 42 last season. But he did turn the ball over a lot, Josh Allen. 19 total times last season, which was most in the NFL. Matt Ryan at 18, which was second. So Josh Allen was first. Matt Ryan didn't play the whole season, mind you, either. I mean, he only played 12 games. So it's a little bit different. Matt Ryan probably would have let it if he played more games. But that Colts team last year was just a tough team to watch. But I wanted to do this metric just for fun. Geno Smith, he's at 12th in this metric last season. 31 total touchdowns to 15 turnovers, 2.06 touchdowns per turnover. He's at 11th. Kirk Cousins was at 17th last year. 31 touchdowns to 17 turnovers with 1.82 touchdowns per turnover last year. Aaron Rodgers at 18th with a total of 27 touchdowns to 15 turnovers. 1.8 touchdowns per turnover. The same ratio as Andy Dalton at 14 games. And the same ratio as Sam Donald in six games, which I don't really include many guys in this. I really only include the guys that played a good amount of snaps. So Sam Donald didn't play 10 games. Everyone else I've really talked about played just about 10 games, Brock Purdy playing nine. But everyone, for the most part, played just about 10 games or more in the NFL this year. Jimmy G played 11, so he's about the least besides Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy played nine, Jimmy G played 11. But if you look at this metric, though, it's interesting to look at total touchdowns to total turnovers. It's pretty cool to look at. Lamar Jackson, 20 total touchdowns last year to nine total turnovers. He only played in 12 games, 2.22 touchdowns per turnover. He was at 10th last year. Justin Fields, 25 total touchdowns to 11 total turnovers last year, 2.27 touchdowns per turnover. He was at ninth. Not many people talked about Justin Fields last year, and obviously he likes to run the ball a lot more than he passes, but we'll see what his ratio looks like this year, which I'll probably do this over the course of the season, but I did this for fun just to look at where guys stood last season. Dak Prescott, 24 touchdowns to 16 turnovers. 1.5 touchdowns per turnover at 24th in the NFL. Next up, Russell Wilson. 19 total touchdowns to 13 total turnovers. 1.46 touchdowns per turnover. Which the total touchdowns is passing and rushing touchdowns together and the total turnovers is fumbles, lost, and interceptions. It's cool to look at, though. Mac Jones, 15 total touchdowns to 12 total turnovers. 1.25 touchdowns per turnover. He was at 27th last season in this metric. Russell Wilson was at 25th, which I mentioned of 1.46 touchdowns per turnover. So I did some fun just to look at, which I gave a breakdown of just about every quarterback. I didn't mention Brady. He was at 26 touchdowns to 13 turnovers. So he was at two touchdowns per turnover. So he's 13th in the NFL. Justin Herbert, I mentioned, he was at 14th. Kyler Murray had 70 touchdowns to nine turnovers in the 11 games he played, 1.88 touchdowns per turnover. He was at 15th. Ryan Tannehill, 15 touchdowns to eight turnovers. touchdowns per turnover. He was at 16th. And then one other guy that mentioned in here, which I might have, I might not have, Kirk Cousins. 31 total touchdowns with 17 turnovers. He was at 1.82 touchdowns per turnover at 17th in the NFL. So I just about mentioned every starting quarterback in the NFL. Derek Cousins, the only one I missed, it seems like. 24 touchdowns to 14 turnovers at 1.71 touchdowns per turnover. He was 22nd, or 21st rather, in the NFL last season in this metric. But some guys I expect... To move up in this metric, Daniel Jones, I think, he's going to be in the three range this year. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be in the three range this year. Trevor Lawrence was at 1.764 last season. I see him moving up to the three range, and we'll see what happens. So there are all my thoughts on the quarterbacks in the NFL in their rankings 1 through 32. So now what comes into question is what quarterbacks are under the most pressure. So I made a list of six quarterbacks that I think are under the most pressure in the NFL, starting with Dak Prescott. The Cowboys have expectation to go out and try to win a Super Bowl. That's what their expectations have been over the last few seasons. But Dak hasn't been able to bring them there. Whether or not it's his fault, who knows? That's up for debate. I think Mike McCarthy more of the issue. But Dak hasn't been able to bring them there during his career, unfortunately. Even though I like Dak Prescott, I wish him well. At number two, we have Russell Wilson. After a poor season last year and how much he regressed from Seattle to Denver. Even his last year in Seattle, he was regressing. But last year from Seattle to Denver, he regressed heavily. He has a lot of pressure on him to try to turn back time and be the Russ Wilson he was back then because they got rid of their head coach, Nathaniel Hackett, brought in Sean Payton, and they're hoping Russ Wilson could be the answer quarterback for them, which they traded for him to be the answer quarterback and to bring them to the promise link considering how good the defense is, and he was very poor last year. So he's under a lot of pressure. Jordan Love at three. Even though he hasn't really played a lot in the NFL in his career, there's expectation for him to still be the answer quarterback for them considering they spent a first-round pick on him in 2020 End up never playing, really, with Aaron Rodgers being the starting quarterback. He got a couple starts, but never really got to play with Aaron Rodgers as the starting quarterback. And now the expectation is for him to be the answer quarterback and help them be in contention like they were for years with Aaron Rodgers. And we'll see what they do with Jordan Love. At four, I have Mac Jones. I think Mac Jones has a lot of pressure on him this year to try to be the answer quarterback that the Patriots need. Even though last year was a struggle for Mac, this is a brand new year. Clean slate for him. And I think Mac's going to have a good year. I just think the Patriots struggle as a whole. But I think Mac has a better year. Now you have Bill O'Brien as your offensive coordinator, and you also have a little bit more stability around you when you don't have Joe Judge and Matt Patricia calling plays for you. So that's definitely going to be an upgrade for Mac Jones. If you look at what Daniel Jones was with Pat Sherma, and then you, when you look at what he was, for two who he has with Joe Judge, he was a much different quarterback, who played a lot more conservative, didn't have as many touchdowns, and a lot of people criticized Daniel Jones during the Joe Judge era. And then he gets a real good offensive coordinator this past year, getting Mike Kafka from the Kansas City Chiefs, and then also Brian Dable, who has a great offensive mind. Getting those two guys made a big difference there for Daniel Jones last season. So Mac Jones having Bill O'Brien, maybe that'll help him get him back on track. The fifth most pressure on a quarterback this season is Josh Allen. The Bills need to make a deep run in the AFC because every single year, the same story is that they're going to win the Super Bowl and they're going to be a Super Bowl contender and they end up falling short every year. So I have Josh Allen as the fifth most pressure on a quarterback this season. At six, I have Brock Purdy. Because the weapons on San Francisco are undeniable. There's great talent on both sides of the ball. And it's a Super Bowl-ready roster. The question is, is Brock Purdy enough at quarterback to win them a Super Bowl? And as I said, I think Sam Donald takes over at some point. Or at least he should, in my opinion. I'm a big Sam Donald fan. I think he still has talent. And if you look at that offense, I think Sam Donald would do very well with that offense. And they're still the favorite to come out of the NFC in my eyes. Whether it's Purdy or Sam Donald's a quarterback. But I'd roll with Donald. But... They are just about a favorite for everybody in the NFC with Purdy a quarterback, so we'll see what happens. But I think if Donald is their quarterback, I'd have a lot of faith in him. But I'd say Purdy's the sixth most pressure on a quarterback this year because the weapons on the team are undeniable, and they have a good backup quarterback in Sam Donald. If he struggles at some point this season, maybe Donald steps in. Next up, which teams are under the most pressure? Which teams are in a situation where it's Super Bowl or bust? I'll start off with the New York Jets. Their defense is ready to win now, and so are their weapons on offense. When you add an Aaron Rodgers in a trade, a four-time MVP quarterback, the expectation is to go and win a Super Bowl. And with their weapons on offense, like Alan Lazad, Brees Hall, Dalvin Cook, Garrett Wilson, Miko Hardman, that team's ready to contend and win right now. But there's one question. Can the offensive line hold up? With Mekhi Becton back healthy, that's a big add to the Jets' offensive line. And it's huge for pass protection for Aaron Rodgers. But do they have enough in that offensive line to try to go and contend? I'd say the Jets have the most pressure on them considering how much they've been covered in the offseason. The expectation is for them to win the Super Bowl. And honestly, they're taking some spotlight off the Giants. They were the whole talk of the offseason in New York. Not many people are really talking about the Giants, which I think helps the Giants. It definitely puts less pressure on them. At two, we have the Buffalo Bills. As I said now a million times, the expectation is always for them to go out and win, and they don't. At three, we have the Dallas Cowboys. Same situation. A team that's always a Super Bowl contender before the season begins, and they find ways to lose in the playoffs. And we'll see if they both prove me wrong this year, but I have them both being two of the top three teams with the most pressure on them. The Bills probably have a better roster, I'd say, than Dallas, so maybe they have a better chance of making a run, but the AFC is harder to make a run in. The NFC is a little bit easier. At four, we have the Los Angeles Chargers. I think the Chargers are under a lot of pressure considering where they were at last season. A team that has a lot of talent on defense A lot of talent on offense. They added in Quinton Johnston. They added a new offensive coordinator in Kellen Moore, which is better than Lombardi, their old offensive coordinator. And maybe Kellen Moore will help their weapons try to succeed and make a run in the playoffs. Because last year they made the playoffs, which was a start last season making the playoffs. Now pressure is on them to win a game, which they blew that game last year against Jacksonville. The pressure is on them to go out and win a game and maybe make a run in the AFC. At fifth, we have the San Francisco 49ers. With the weapons and talent on this roster. they need to win now. Their window has been open, and they still have no Super Bowl appearances in the last two years. With a 10-7 record in one year and a 13-4 record in the other, they've found a way to lose in the NFC Championship two years in a row, which last year was tough. With Brock Purdy's elbow injury, they really couldn't move the ball on offense, but now they're healthy. And Brock Purdy, people like this year, considering how good he was last year with that offense, people like them still to win the NFC. So the pressure is on them to make a run this year. And they gave up a lot of picks to get Trey Lance, and he wasn't the answer quarterback. And the funny thing is, is that they traded three first round picks in that trade with the Miami Dolphins to go up and get Trey Lance in the 2021 NFL draft. And with those three picks I sent to Miami, they were used by the Dolphins to get Jalen Waddle, trade for Tyree Kill, and trade for Bradley Chubb. They traded up for Jalen Waddle with one of the picks, they traded for Tyree Kill with the other, and traded for Bradley Chubb with the third pick. So it worked out for Miami there. But for the 49ers, they went all in to get their quarterback at Trey Lance. Because they were in a win-now contention mode, and they thought Trey Lance was the quarterback for the future, and he wasn't. And at some point, this window is going to close to them. Even though they have a great roster and a really good team all around, they're not going to be able to keep all these pieces together forever. Even though they just signed Nick Bosa to Monster Extension, there is pressure on the San Francisco 49ers team to win a Super Bowl and do it within the next couple of years. Because they've been in win-now mode, and they've been an aggressive team over the last few years. As I said, mentioning the Trey Lance trade, trading up and trying to get him, and he wasn't the answer. They've been aggressive, and they haven't been able to win with that roster with that team. So the pressure is on this team to go out and win this season. Another question I want to ask is which head coach will be the first fired this season? Which is not really a great question. You're, you don't really root for any guy to get fired, but which head coach is going to start at the season poor and maybe be fired midway through? I think Ron Rivera could be the guy, maybe by week 12 or week 13. Although I think Sam Howell will impress this year with Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson, and I think the commanders will be able to score the ball offense, maybe average 21, 22, 23 points per game. I think Washington starts out maybe two and four in their first six games, and it'll put Ron Rivera in the hot seat, which their first six games against Arizona, which they should win week one. Then is a toss-up, but then they play Buffalo, Philly, Chicago, Atlanta, and the Giants. I could see two and four in that stretch. I mean, you could also see three and three, but I could see two and four in that stretch. And if you're two and four in the first six games, it puts pressure on your head coach, especially a guy that there was question marks about coming into the season of whether or not he was going to be let go at some point last year. I think Mike McCarthy could be a guy that's fired at the end of the year if the Cowboys don't meet expectations. I don't think he's going to be fired midway through. So now that brings it to question, who are my top head coaches in the NFL going into this season? And I mentioned it last week in a podcast with the sports guru, Mike Curley, and I want to just give a quick rundown of my eight with all the guys in order. Because last week, I think we did 12. I'm going to give you my top eight, all of them in order. I have four in the AFC and four in the NFC. And number one, I have Sean McVay. Even though I think the Rams still missed the playoffs this year, I think he can impress with this team. If Stafford can stay healthy, that's a big question mark for this team. But if he can stay healthy, they'll be competitive. And maybe they finish around 500, which nobody expects them, except me really, to be a team that's around 500. So if they're around that, that's impressive. I think Sean McVay is the best head coach in the NFL. Even if Lashley didn't go his way, there were a lot of injuries with that team. At number two, I have Andy Reid. Number three, Mike McDaniel. I think the Dolphins are going to be really good this year. At four, I have Doug Peterson. I think Jacksonville is going to be really good this year. At number five, Brian Dable. And number six, John Haber. And number seven, Nick Sirianni. And number eight, Kyle Shanahan. Seven of these eight coaches, I have going to the playoffs and being playoff teams. So obviously that helps these head coaches. I think a lot of them are going to be in the playoffs. So that helps them be top coaches in the NFL, considering they probably all have great records in a competitive throughout the whole season. So which head coaches are under the most pressure? Which I mentioned, one of them being a guy that I already have getting fight, Ron Rivera. I Even being the first fired coach in the NFL, which on a roof I think Ron Rivera is a good guy and a very good coach. But I think if that situation goes south in Washington, maybe they go in a different direction. And they don't really have Super Bowl expectations. So it's really different. The five coaches I've listed here as the head coaches under the most pressure, they all are coaches of teams that have expectations to win a Super Bowl. So we're going to start off with number one being Mike McCarthy. He could have been fired after last season, but survived another year. He's 30 and 20 in his tenure with the Cowboys with only one playoff win in three seasons. He's one and two in the playoffs. Over his career. So there's a lot of pressure on him. To get things right this year. Josh McDaniels. Head coach of the Raiders. He's going to a second year with Vegas. He was 6-11 and 11 last year. But in his three years as a head coach. He's 17-28. to With two years being in Denver in 2009-2010. And then last year with the Raiders. He's never made the playoffs in three seasons. So the Raiders want to see some progress this year. With Josh McDaniels. I think they're going to be decent. So maybe he surprises this year. But there is pressure on him. And number three, I have Bill Belichick. He's 25-25 and 25 in three seasons since Tom Brady left for Tampa Bay. 25-25 and 25 in three seasons since Tom Brady left for Tampa Bay. 25-25 and 25 in three years without Tom Brady. With only one playoff berth over those three seasons. He was 0-1 now in the playoffs since Tom Brady left. And the Patriots haven't won a playoff game since the 2018 season. Which in that season, it was the 2019 playoffs with the 2018 regular season. The Patriots won the Super Bowl against the Rams. So the last time the Patriots won a playoff game was in 2019. So as you can tell, there's been some time since the Patriots were last competing to win a Super Bowl. 2019 was the last time that they were competing, and they won a Super Bowl in that year, but the last time they are actually competing and making a run in the playoffs. Since that 2019 Super Bowl run against the Rams, the Patriots have only made one playoff game and are 0-1. So that's obviously tough on Bill Belichick. There's a lot of pressure on him this year. At number four, we have Brandon Staley. I was shocked the Chargers brought him back after how poor he managed them last season, especially in the playoff game against Jacksonville, blowing a 27-point lead. And the thing with Staley is he always makes questionable decisions, especially with going for it on fourth down. Even though the metrics might say to go for it, sometimes you got to feel your gut and say, hey, the offense hasn't really been moving the ball all day, let's not go for it. But he's been questionable as the head coach over the last few seasons, and he's brought back for another year. So there's a lot of pressure on him to get the charges to the playoffs this year and win a game. And number five is Sean McDermott. He's not going to lose his job no matter what happens in Buffalo this year. But the Bills' window is kind of closing in my eyes. Because if they do fall short this year, there's a chance Stefan Diggs wants out. And I think he will want out at some point. Sean McDermott's been 47-18 in the last four years with the Buffalo Bills. 47-18 in the, in the regular season. 47 wins, 18 losses in regular season play. And they've been a Super Bowl contender in all four of those years. But their playoff record in those four seasons is 4-4. Four four. The furthest they got was in 2020, losing in the AFC Championship to Kansas City. But in the last two years, they've lost in the divisional round. There is pressure on Sean McDermott to take it up to another level with that Bills team and help them make it to a Super Bowl because that's ultimately what their goal is. And a notable coach that I want to mention in is Robert Sala. After the Jets traded for Aaron Rodgers, it means they're in win-now mode. They got their quarterback, which they felt like was holding them back last season. They have a very good defense with Sauce Gardner, Quinn and Williams, And C.J. Mosley, and a very good offense with a lot of weapons. Brees Hall, Dalvin Cook, Alan Lazard, Mecole Hydman, Garrett Wilson. That team's ready to go out and ball. So there is pressure on Robert Sala to fix that offensive line and get the Jets to where they need to be. Because their expectation is to win a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. So now I'm going to give some predictions on league leaders in certain categories. Let's say receiving yards, receiving touchdowns, all that. So let's start off with receiving yards. I have Jamal Chase being the receiving yard leader in the NFL this year. I see him going for 1,655 yards, 106 catches, and 13 touchdowns. I think Jalen Waddell will be the runner-up in receiving yards at 1,610. As for the league leader in receiving touchdowns, I have Tyree Kill being that. I have him going for 15 touchdowns this season with Tua Tagovailoa. I see big things out of this Dolphins offense. For the league lead in rushing yards, I see Bijan Robinson winning that. I think Bijan Robinson is going to be very good this year. Obviously, Offensive Rookie of the Year, I had him in my predictions, but I see him being the rushing leader as well. And in that case, maybe he has a chance at Offensive Player of the Year because if he's the rushing leader in the NFL, he's probably going to be in that conversation as well. I see him going for 1,755 yards on the ground with nine rushing touchdowns and 45 catches for 425 yards and three touchdowns in the year. So 12 total touchdowns and just about 2,100 total yards, which would be an unreal season for Robinson. It would obviously be what the Atlanta Falcons drafted him to be. A guy that could help them move the ball on on offense and be a threat to score every single time he touches the ball. As for the league leader in rushing touchdowns, I'm going to go Derrick Henry. I think he's going to go for 15 touchdowns this year. And if he can play this season without missing maybe more than a couple games, he probably wins that. Considering he ran for 13 touchdowns last year in limited action, he's capable of still being the rushing leader in the NFL. But the question is, how many more years does Derrick Henry have being a top back in the NFL. I'd say maybe this season and one more because I think his window is closing, but I think he can still be a top back in the NFL for another couple seasons. I see him leading in rushing touchdowns this year with 15. But if he does indeed slow down, let's say this year, I'd say watch out for Taze Spears, a guy that I think is going to take over next season in that backfield for the Tennessee Titans. As for the league leader in yards from scrimmage, I have Bijan Robinson winning that. 2,180 total yards from scrimmage. And at that point, as I said, I think he's going to be in the conversation for offensive player of the year. Who's going to be the league leader in passing yards? I have Joe Burrow being that. 5,150 passing yards, 38 touchdowns, and 13 interceptions. Next up is the league leader in passing touchdowns, which I have Trevor Lawrence winning that. I have him throwing for 44 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, 4,512 yards, and I think he'll run for a couple of scores as well. I have Trevor Lawrence having a monster season. I see him taking a big step up and being right in the upper echelon of quarterbacks in consideration with, let's say, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, and Josh Allen. I think he's right there with those guys. As for the league leader in passes and passes intercepted, I think Josh Allen's going to be the leader there. I have him at 4,325 passing yards, 32 passing touchdowns, 15 interceptions with 620 rushing yards on the ground, and five rushing touchdowns. But there's some other guys I have in the conversation for interceptions leader, including, I think Sam Howell will be in that conversation, not because I think he's going to have a bad year, but I think because he's going to take some deep shots downfield to Dotson and McLaren. And I think it's going to work sometimes, but he might get picked as well. He's a young quarterback on a team that really doesn't have Super Bowl expectations. He's probably going to take some shots downfield at times of their downing games. I think Deshaun Watson's going to be in the conversation for league leader interceptions. I think he's going to throw about 13 to 14 picks this year, Deshaun Watson. And we'll see what happens there. I think two attack of lower, though, is going to be in the league lead conversation with passing touchdowns. I have a 35 passing touchdowns which in my predictions, I had two or 35 total passing touchdowns, 4,440 passing yards, and 10 interceptions if he can play, let's say, 15 games. Question mark with two attack of has been, can he stay healthy? If he can stay healthy, I think he's in that MVP conversation. Next up, who's going to be the league lead in interceptions? I have Jamie Petrie, Houston Texans safety, being the league lead in interceptions this year in the NFL. I think he's going to be a breakout star this year for the Texans. Even though he had a very good year last year as a rookie, with five interceptions, five tacks for a loss, eight passes deflected, and a team lead, 147 tackles, which was also the most for any rookie in the NFL last season. He was already a very good player last year. He's going to be a breakout star this year and become a top five safety in the NFL. I see him leading the league in interceptions with six this season. And lastly, who's going to lead the league in sacks? I have Miles Garrett leading the league in sacks with 18 and a half sacks this season. And as I said earlier in the episode, he has a potential opt-out after the season ends and he'll be looking for more money. He's already getting, on average, twenty-five million per year on his current deal. He's going to be looking for thirty to thirty-five per year on his next deal. He'll opt out after the season ends. I see him leading the league in sacks, with eighteen and a half this year. And one other question I want to mention is which rookie quarterback is going to perform the best. I think Stroud will look the best with what he's given. I think he's going to do more with less than any other rookie quarterback. Even though not many rookie quarterbacks have a great situation around them, like Bryce Young in Carolina, CJ Stroud in Houston or Anthony Richardson in Indianapolis. None of them really have great situations, but I think Stroud's going to do more with what he's given than what those other guys are going to do. And I think Stroud's stat line is going to be roughly around this. 24 total touchdowns, 12 interceptions, and a 63% completion percentage with 3,555 passing odds. That's just a guess, but I think it's going to be roughly around there. I think he's going to perform the best out of the rookie quarterbacks. But none of them have great situations, and they're all going to get some time to develop. And obviously none of these guys are going in with the expectation of winning a Super Bowl with those teams. Even though they want to go out and win a Super Bowl, obviously, and that's the main goal, they all know their teams probably are roughly still rebuilding and getting themselves back on track. So Indianapolis, Houston, and Carolina all know these guys are going to take some time to develop. And that's just the reality of rookie quarterbacks in today's day. They need time to develop, learn the game, make mistakes. That's how you get better. Making mistakes is how you get better. Throwing a ball into double coverage, realizing you can't do that like you did in college. You learn the game and you develop. That's the main goal as a rookie. But I think Stroud's going to have a very good year. I think Bryce Young's going to be roughly around 20 touchdowns to 12 picks with, let's say, 30, passing yards. And I think Anthony Richardson probably runs better than he passes. In his rookie year, I think he could maybe run for, let's say, 700 yards on the ground and maybe six rushing touchdowns. I think he can pass for, let's say, 13 touchdowns and let's say 10 picks. That's just a guess with, let's say, 2,950 passing yards this upcoming season. So now I'm gonna give my division predictions, my win loss record predictions for every single team in the NFL for this upcoming season. So let's start off with the AFC East. I have the Dolphins winning the AFC East at 11 and six. I have the New York Jets going 10 and seven. I originally had them 11 and six last week. I moved them to 10 and 7. I have the Buffalo Bills at 10 and 7, and I have the New England Patriots at 8 and 9. I originally had them at 7 and 10. Now I have them at 8 and 9. I was stuck between 7 and 10, 8 and 9, but I chose to go 8 and 9. The Patriots schedule is tough, though, especially early in the season. Eagles, Dolphins, Jets, Cowboys, that's a tough first four games. There's a chance to go 1 and 3 in that stretch. 2 and 2 would be great in that stretch of four games. Then after that, they have the Saints, Raiders, and Bills. So it's actually a tough stretch there for the Patriots. And then after the Bills there, they have the Dolphins, Commanders, and Colts. Then they bye week. So in those first 10 games, 5-5 five five would be a great scenario for the Patriots if they were 5-5 five five after those 10. But they very well could be 4-6 in that stretch. I've met 8-9 overall in the season, but I was leaning 7-10. In the AFC South, I have Jacksonville leading the AFC South going 11-6. I have the Titans going 7-10. Texans at 7-10. And, and Colts at 4-13. 7-10 would be impressive for the Texans considering they're a rebuilding team. Seven wins would be great for them. I think C.J. Stroud is going to impress this year. The Colts? I don't really see them doing much this year. Anthony Richardson is a rookie quarterback. They don't really have Jonathan Taylor as well. I don't think he's going to play it all this season. As the Titans, they have a solid quarterback in Tano. He's an average quarterback that can help them win games. I think he's going to end up not being the starter quarterback by the end of the season. I think they're going to go with Will Levis or Malik Willis. I think Willis is the starter quarterback, though, over Levis at some point this year. And then for Jacksonville, I think the best team in this division, it makes sense for them to be the leader. They have the best quarterback in the division, the best offense, a good defense, and the best head coach there with Doug Peterson. For the AFC East, I think the Dolphins are the best team in the AFC East. I think they're the surprise teams this year. I think if you look at that offense, Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle. Devon A-Chain, a receiving back, who's very shifty. 4-3 speed is what his 40-yard dash was. Very good back. And then I think two attack of low is going to be great this year. They'll hopefully get Jaylen Ramsey back later in the season. They have Bradley Chubb and also have a very good cornerback in Xavier Howard. I think that team's going to win the division. I like Mike McDaniel as well. I think he's a great head coach. I have the Jets at 10-7. Originally, I had them at 11-6. I had them lose just one more game than I had originally. As I said, I was 11-6. Now I'm 10-7. I still think they'll be a playoff team. Same thing with the Buffalo Bills. I think with the Jets, though, I look at their offensive line, it is a worry. It is a worry. I think Aaron Rodgers can make it work, but I don't think they going to be a Super Bowl winner with that offensive line. And you never know. I mean, things haven't gone right in recent years for Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs. The Packers have had great teams over the last five years, and they haven't really gone in any runs with Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback and Devontae Adams as a wide receiver, unfortunately. As for the Buffalo Bills, Every single year, as I said, they're always going to be a playoff team, and they're always going to be a team that's contending considering Josh Allen's a quarterback, and they have Stephon Diggs at wide receiver and a very good head coach as well and a good defense. Issue is of them not making the runs that they should to the Super Bowl, or at least runs to the AFC Championship. They have the roster to do so and a defense, but they just haven't been able to put it all together. As for the Patriots, I think they're going to struggle this year, but I do think Mac Jones will perform well, as I said, but I have them at eight and nine. Next up is the AFC North. I have the Ravens at 12-5. and 5. Lamar Jackson added in weapons this offseason with Zay Flowers and Odell Beckham Jr. Now Lamar has a new contract as well. As I said, I think last season he might have sat out towards the end of the year. Maybe because of the injury to his PCL wasn't 100% healthy yet. He wasn't ready to play and wasn't 100% recovered. Maybe he sat out at the end because he wasn't 100%, didn't want to hurt it more and risked not getting a payday. And ends up working out for him. He gets his payday. And the Ravens also added in Jadeveon Clowney in the offseason. I like that offense. With Mock Andrews as the number one receiver for Lamar Jackson, then you add in two very good players in Odell Beckham Jr. and Zay Flowers, even though Zay has had some issues in his career at BC dropping balls over the middle. But obviously one thing with Zay is he wants to get upfield as quick as he can to try to make some people miss. But obviously you have to catch the ball first. Uh, He does have good hands, but does drop some balls every now and then. But I do think that offense is going to be lethal. Uh, The Cincinnati Bengals at 11-6 second in the division. i got the Steelers at 8-9, and I have the Browns at 7-10. I think Lamar's healthy. Baltimore wins this division. When Lamar is healthy, Baltimore consistently wins games. Lamar Jackson has a 45-16 record in the regular season. 45-16 regular season record. So they find ways to win when he's healthy and playing in the regular season. As for the Steelers, I do think Kenny Pickett has a productive season. I think he throws 25 touchdowns. I think he's capable of moving the ball down the field and helping that offense grow. I think he goes for 25 touchdowns and 12 picks. But the division is too strong for the Steelers to make the playoffs right now in my eyes. But I think Pickett does take a step up, and I think he's the answer for them at quarterback in the future. At least I hope so, for their sake. I think Pickett does have a good year. As for the Bengals, with Joe Barrow, quarterback, you're always going to be a Super Bowl contender because he's proven in the NFL he can make runs in the playoffs and be a dangerous quarterback. I have them at 11-6. and six. I think their defense still is a little bit iffy, even though they've found ways to put things together over the years and make runs in the playoffs, obviously, making it to the Super Bowl one year. I have them at 11-6. and six. And then for the Browns, 7-10. and 10. I don't really buy in too much to Deshaun Watson, even though that defense does have some talent. They have some weapons on offense like Nick Chubb and also Amari Cooper. I still think that team struggles. I have them at 7-10. and 10. AFC West, I have the Chiefs at 13-4. Raiders at 10-7. Chargers at 10-7. And, and I have the Broncos at 7-10. I had the Broncos originally at 8-9. As I said, I don't really buy in too much into Russell Wilson. I think Sean Payton will make him a little bit better this year. But I'm not buying into Russell Wilson turning back time. I have them at 7-10. The defense is good, though. So maybe they can win a couple games with that. The Chargers, I have a 10-7. I don't really trust Staley, unfortunately, which is an issue. So I have them missing the playoffs. Same thing with the Raiders. The AFC is going to be tough this year. 10-7 isn't going to guarantee you make the playoffs. So I have the Raiders being 10-7 in missing the playoffs. The Raiders have a Jimmy G is a big pickup. Because he's proven he can take a team to the playoffs. And he's a winning quarterback, especially in the regular season in the NFL. He's been a quality starter in the NFL over his career. I think he's going to do pretty well with Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs. And then the Kansas City Chiefs, I have a 13-4. Not really much to say about them. Still Patrick Mahomes, a quarterback. Even though Travis Kelsey is going to be out week one tonight against Detroit. And they're also without Chris Jones, a defensive tackle, while he's holding out, waiting for a contract. They're still a dangerous team. It's hard to bet against Andy Reid. And they have a lot of weapons on offense. Sky Moore, Marcos Valdez-Scantling. Kadarius Tony, even though he is an injury-prone receiver, he's still good. And they also have some other pieces on offense, like Richie James, like Rasheed Rice, like Justin Ross. They're going to be able to move the ball down the field. I have them at 13-4. NFC East, I have the Eagles at 11-6, Giants at 10-7, Cowboys at 10-7, and and the Commanders at 5-12. I have the Eagles, Giants, and Cowboys all making the playoffs. The Eagles, I think they're going to lose a couple more games in the regular season this year than last. They did lose some pieces like Javon Hargrove and C.J. gotton johnson but added in the draft getting Nolan Smith out of Georgia and Jalen Carter out of Georgia as well. They're still going to be good. And obviously, Jalen Hurts was a great quarterback last season. He's going to be building even more this season, hopefully. As for the Giants, I have them at 10 and 7, even though their schedule is harder this year than last. They have a very good team. You add in Darren Wall, you add in Jalen Hyatt, you add more weapons in around Daniel Jones, and hopefully Evan Neal takes a big step up at right tackle. The defense got better with with Bobby Okereke at linebacker. and They also added Deontay Banks in the draft as a starting corner. Trey Hawkins is a rookie starting corner as well. Hopefully he can do big things for them in the secondary. But I like this Giants team this year. I think they can be dangerous. The Cowboys have a 10-7. and seven. Good offense. I think Dak Prescott's going to be better this year than he was last year. I still don't expect them to make a deep run in the playoffs, but I expect them to be a playoff team. And then I have the Commanders at 5-12. I think the division's too tough for them, even though I think Sam Howell is going to make strides at quarterback. And their defense was good last year. The defense was one of the better in the league. They have a good defensive line, but at some point they'll probably move on from Chase Young. Maybe midseason if things aren't going well, maybe they trade him elsewhere. In the NFC South, I have the Falcons at 10-7, Saints at 9-8, Panthers at 6-11, and, and Bucks at 5-12. One interesting thing is that in 18 of the last 20 seasons in the NFL, at least one last place finisher has gone from last in the division to first in the division over a year. From last to first and won the division the following year. I think the Falcons are that team this year. They added in Jesse Bates to their defense, Bud Dupree to their defense, and also Clias Campbell, even though Clias Campbell's still getting older. Still a solid player to have on your defense. And then you also add in some weapons on offense like Bijan Robinson. Maybe Kyle Pitts has a step up this year. Desmond Ritter will be their starting quarterback. And as I mentioned, I think he can have a good year. He had two touchdowns and no picks at four starts last year. Hopefully he builds this year and helps them win the division. And their schedule was pretty easy. Same thing goes for the Saints. Easy schedule. I have the Saints and the Falcons both making the playoffs. The Saints add in Derek Carr and we'll see how they look with maybe Michael Thomas being back as the wide receiver too. You can't really trust Michael Thomas to stay healthy, but if he can, he's a dangerous wide receiver too. As for the Panthers, they're still building. I have them at 6-11. and 11. Brian Burns is probably the best defensive player overall. Probably the best player overall on the team. Bryce Young though is really good. We'll see what he could do with that offense. Miles Sanders is their starting back. Don't really buy into Miles Sanders too much having the same production he did last year with the eagles and then for the bucks i have them at 5 and 12 when tom brady can't make that team work last season i don't think bacon mayfield's going to step in and make it work i think if you look at it godwin evans are still two great receivers but i don't think bacon mayfield's going to make them look like two top receivers in the game i still think they're going to be two good receivers two productive receivers maybe six seven touchdowns each a piece this season but i don't see them going for crazy numbers like they had with tom brady and if Brady couldn't make it work, you can't really expect Baker Mayfield to step in and make ends meet there. In the NFC North, I have the Vikings at 10-7, and 7. I have the Detroit Lions at 8-9, I have the Green Bay Packers at 6-11, I have the Bears at 5-12. For the Vikings, the defense wasn't issued last year. Hopefully their defense does improve this year. We'll see if that's the case, but their offense is going to be very good. Kirk Cousins, I gained a lot of respect for watching the quarterback show on Netflix Kirk takes a lot of big hits. He's a tough quarterback, and he's just a normal dude as well. I mean, you see him in the locker room. His teammates love him, and he seems like a great guy. I root for him to do well now after watching that, which I always liked Kirk Cousins. I respected him, but now I'm going to root for the Vikings in that offense to score this year. I think if you look at it, Jordan Addison's a great addition. I think he's going to be a lethal receiver right away in the NFL. Hopefully the defense does get a little better, and as I said, as I watched that quarterback show, I gained respect, not only for Kirk Cousins, but Kevin O'Connell as well. I think he's a really good head coach. Seems like a really good dude. I have the Vikings at 10 and 7. I have the Lions at 8 and 9. A lot of people like the Lions to be a dangerous team in the NFC. Maybe they start this season tonight with an upset win over the Chiefs without Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones. I don't see that, though. I still see the Chiefs winning this game, even though the NFL probably wants the Lions to win, as I said earlier. Earlier in the episode, I think they loved having Dan Campbell be on hard knocks last year and have Dan Campbell yelling and bringing some emphasis to the game of football. I don't really buy into the Lions, though, being a playoff team this year. I have them missing just by a game, even though I am high on Jared Goff, and I think that offense will be pretty good with Amon Ross, St. Brown, and Jameer Gibbs. I have the Packers at 6-11. and Some people have them being a dangerous team in the NFC. I don't really see it, though. I think Jordan Love will be okay, but I don't think he's going to be good enough to make the playoffs. And then for the Bears, still a building year for them. Some people think they can make the playoffs as well. I've seen all four teams winning the division in the NFC North in different predictions, but I think the Vikings are the best team here. I have them at 10 and 7. I have the Bears at the bottom of the division at 5 and 12. And the NFC West, I have the 49ers at 12 and 5. I have the Rams at 8 and 9. I originally had them at 9 and 8, but with Cooper Cup missing week 1 and probably missing week 2 is my prediction, it's going to be tough without him. But I do think Puka Nakua is a guy to keep your eye on in that offense. I have the Seahawks at 8 and 9. People have the Seahawks being a dark horse team in the NFC. I think Geno Smith and the Seahawks take a slight step back this year and miss the playoffs, and I have the Cardinals at 3-14. That team's going to really struggle this year. They're looking for the first pick overall in the draft. We'll see who starts in them week one. It looks like it's Josh Dobbs as their starting quarterback. I think Clayton Toon as a rookie quarterback, though, should be their start. I liked what I saw in his college film from Houston. Now it brings into question, who's going to exceed expectations the most? I think the Raiders, Giants, and Falcons will exceed expectations the most. Which team is going to regress and be most underwhelming in respect to their expectations? I think the Seahawks, Lions, and maybe even the Bills, honestly, I think the Bills still make the playoffs. I don't think the Seahawks and Lions do, but I still think the Bills make the playoffs. But I think they're a team that has found ways to lose in the playoffs over the last few years. I think they could be underwhelming again this season since people still have high expectations for them to make a run in the AFC. So now for my NFC playoff matchups. So in the NFC, I have the Eagles as the one seed, the Niners as the two seed, the Vikings as the 3 seed and the Falcons as the 4 seed. With the wild card being the Giants as the 5 seed. The Cowboys as the 6 seed and the Saints as the 7 seed. And the AFC. I have the Chiefs as the 1 seed. The Ravens as the 2 seed. Jacksonville as the 3 seed. And the Dolphins as the 4 seed. With the wild card teams being the Bengals as the 5 seed. The Bills as the 6 seed. And the Jets as the 7 seed. So with those teams as each of those seeds. This would be how the wild card round would shake out. First round buys for the Eagles and the Chiefs. The NFC matchups, it would be the 49ers versus the Saints. The two-seed 49ers versus the seven-seed Saints. I have the Niners winning a close one there, 27-23. In the second game, out of the number three-seed Vikings going up against the number six-seed Cowboys. I had the Vikings winning that one, a close game, 31-28. And then I would have the number five-seed Giants going to Atlanta to play the number four-seed Falcons. And I had the Giants winning that one, 27-17. So now in the AFC, it would be the number two-seed Ravens hosting the number seven seed Jets, and I have the Ravens winning that one, 34-27. In the next matchup, it would be the number three seed Jacksonville Jaguars hosting the number six seed Buffalo Bills. I have the Jaguars winning in a shootout there, 41-35. And then in the next AFC Wilds card game, it would be the number four seed Dolphins hosting the number five seed Cincinnati Bengals. And I have the Dolphins winning that one. I think it would be an upset win, 33-30. Then in the divisional round, We would have the number five seed Giants going to the number one seed Eagles. Either Giants winning an upset game here. The divisional round matchup last year from last playoff run for the Eagles was Giants Eagles in the divisional round. The Giants got blown out in that game. And hopefully they remember that feeling and how that game went and they use it as motivation. I think the Giants shock Philly in this game and win this game 27 20. In the next divisional round game in the NFC, we'd have the number three seed Vikings going to the number two seed 49ers. I have the 49ers winning that game 36-23. Then, in the AFC, we'd have the number one seed Chiefs hosting the number four seed Dolphins. I have the Dolphins winning an upset game at 31-30. Not many people are going to have that. I want some hot takes in there. I like this Dolphins team this year. I have the Dolphins winning that game 31-30. Then, in the next AFC game, we have the number two seed Ravens hosting the number three seed or Jaguars and I have the Jaguars winning that game 30-27. to And if you look at a lot of games in the playoffs last year, We're one-score games and down to the wire, and that's what the NFL wants. People obviously get more into it when it's a one-score game and you're more locked into the TV. They're going to want more one-score games, I'm sure, this year. So I have Jacksonville winning that one 30-27 over the Ravens for another one-score game there in the divisional round. So now the conference round, it would be the Giants going to San Francisco and Dolphins at Jaguars. And I have the Dolphins winning that game 26-23, to and I have the Giants losing to the 49ers 24-17. So in my Super Bowl, it would be the 49ers versus the Dolphins And I have the Dolphins winning that game 28-24. I know it's a hot take, but I like the Dolphins this year to be a team that's going to surprise the people. If Tua Tagovailoa can stay healthy, that team can be dangerous. If he gets hurt, throw this right out the window, and the expectations aren't going to be the same if Tua gets hurt. I do like Skyler Thompson, but I don't have super expectations for the team this year with Skyler Thompson. So I'm going to give a second bracket here with the same teams and the same seedings, but just in case things go south. Let's say the Dolphins do end up losing Tua Tagovailoa. I'd have the Bengals beating them in that first playoff game. So I'm going to do a second bracket here, which the first one is what I think is going to happen. As I said, Dolphins over 49 is. That's what I believe. I think that could be a Super Bowl matchup, but I'm going to change it around just a little bit to have a second one. So the same team's making the playoffs, but I'm going to have different outcomes in a few games. So in the Falcons-Giants game, the Wild Card round, I have the Giants winning that game still. Then in the Vikings-Cowboys game, I'd have the Cowboys winning. So I'm going to switch it up. I'm going to do a two brackets here just for fun, with the first one being what I believe is going to happen, then just a second one here, just have an alternate one. Just some matchups I'd like to see. And then I would have the 49ers-Saints game with the 49ers still winning that. And the AFC, I'd have the Dolphins losing to the Bengals. If Tua were to get hurt, I mean, the Dolphins' expectations to win the Super Bowl, especially with my bracket here with them winning, that's completely out the window if Tua goes down. For the Jaguars-Bills game, I'd still have the Jaguars winning. I still think the Jaguars beat the Bills anyways. I think the Jaguars will be the better team this year than the Bills, especially with that offense being high-scoring. I think they're the best offense in the NFL this season. And then in the Ravens-Jets game, I still have the Ravens beating the Jets. So now the matchups would be the Eagles versus Dallas in the the divisional round. And then the Giants versus the 49ers. In the AFC, it would be the Chiefs versus the Bengals and the Jaguars versus the Ravens. So in those divisional games, I'd have the Eagles over the Cowboys and I would have the Giants upsetting the Niners because I want to see that Giants-Eagles game and see what it would look like in a conference championship game. So I have the Giants and Eagles in the NFC championship. So now in the divisional round of the AFC... As I said, we have Chiefs, Bengals, and Jaguars, Ravens. I'm going to go Bengals over Chiefs. I'm going to go Bengals over Chiefs in this game. It's hard to get back to the Super Bowl. So considering it's tough for one team to make it back, which out I of have, I have the Eagles in this bracket beating the Giants, you're never going to see the same matchup and have the Chiefs-Eagles go back at it for a second year in a row. So I have the Eagles over the Giants in the NFC Championship game. So now in the divisional round, I'm going to go Bengals over Chiefs. And then just for the sake of it, I'm going to go Ravens over Jaguars. Because I think Lamar Jackson deserves to make a run in the AFC. And I think that Ravens team is going to be dangerous this year. I think that's going to be a high-scoring game, though. In that matchup, originally my first bracket, I had the Jaguars beating the Ravens. And this one, I'm going to do Ravens over Jaguars. And that's going to be a high-scoring game. 38-35 Ravens, I guess, is what I'd say. So that would leave the Bengals and the Ravens going at it in the conference championships. So you'd have Eagles-Giants and Ravens-Bengals as your conference championship games. Two matchups that are filled with division rivals. I'd have the Eagles beating the Giants in that game. I think the Giants are going to the NFC Championship. That was my prediction. Last year, I'm going to stay with it again this year. I think the Giants will make it to the NFC Championship this year. I think they're a dangerous team nobody's really talking about. In the NFC, people are talking about the Lions and the Saints and the Seahawks as sleeper teams. I think the Giants are the best sleeper team in the NFC. But I have the Eagles beating the Giants in this matchup. And then I would have the Bengals over the Jaguars in this matchup with the Bengals going to the Super Bowl and beating the Eagles in that game. Let's say 34-30. That would be a fun game to watch, though. Joe Burrow and Jalen Hurts going at it. Some Super Bowl matchups I'd want to see, though. I'd love to see 49ers Ravens. A Super Bowl rematch of the 2013 Super Bowl. I'd love to see that matchup. And one other matchup I'd love to see: Giants versus Jaguars. I think Jacksonville is gonna be the AFC championship. I have the Giants and Jaguars as my two best sleeper teams in the NFL. Two dock horse teams to make it to the Super Bowl. Even though I don't have either team making it to the Super Bowl in either one of these predictions. I think they both can make it to their conference championship games. I have the Giants making it in both of my brackets here, and I have the Ravens making it in my first one, my legitimate one. And in the second one, I did just for fun. In case things don't work out, for two attack of a lower and the Dolphins, let's say if he gets hurt, and just to see some matchups, I'd like to see like Giants-Eagles in the conference championship and Bengals-Ravens. But I think this Jacksonville team is going to be legit. I think the Jaguars are going to be legit for years to come. When you have Trevor Lawrence with Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk and Travis Etienne and Evan Ingram and Zay Jones, that offense is ready to go, and they're ready to score points right now. I'm excited to see that Jacksonville Jaguars team, and I'd honestly put them as the sixth best team in the NFL. I think if I'm doing my rankings here, of power rankings in the NFL, before week one, I'd go Kansas City Chiefs at one, San Francisco 49ers at two, Miami Dolphins at three, Philadelphia Eagles at four, Baltimore Ravens at five, and Jacksonville Jaguars at six. With the Cincinnati Bengals at seven, New York Giants at 8, New York Jets at 9, and the Buffalo Bills at 10. There's a look at my power rankings in the NFL going into week one. That's my top 10 teams in the NFL going into week one. There's some other good teams I didn't mention in that top 10. The Dallas Cowboys are a team you could mention in there. I think the Atlanta Falcons will be a competitive team this year. The Minnesota Vikings I like. As I said, I do like Kevin O'Connell. I think he's a really good coach. It seems like a really good guy. But that's my top 10 teams heading into week one in the NFL. So one segment I wanted to do... Before tonight's game was breakout versus fake-out players. Plays I think are going to break out and plays that I think are going to be fake-out players that aren't going to break out this season that people have as breakout players. And then I was going to do studs versus duds based on where players are getting drafted in fantasy football. Are they Are going to be a stud this season based on the average draft position and where I think these guys are going to be this season, you know, statistically and how much they're going to produce? Or are they are going to be a dud and not produce up to those expectations of where they're drafted or where people see them being at this season? I was going to do that segment going into tonight. But unfortunately, the game's going to start in just about 20 minutes. So I wanted to get this episode done with before week one started and before the Chiefs and Lions kicked off. So one player I want to mention, which I'm going to do is tomorrow. I'm just going to mention the players that are playing in tonight's game. Two players. I have Rasheed Rice and Kadarius Tony. I see Rasheed Rice as a potential stud player. I like Rasheed Rice a lot. Second round wide receiver out of SMU. And even though he did struggle with drops in the preseason, especially in his last preseason game, if you see his college tape, you can see that he's capable of making big plays every time that he touches the ball. And he looked really good with Tana Mordecai, the quarterback of Wisconsin now, but when they were at SMU last year, he looked really good with Tana Mordecai, at quarterback. I think he ends up being a potential wide receiver one for that Chiefs offense. Maybe not right away. It might take four or five weeks. He's probably going to start slow and not really get as many reps, but I think he could be a top target for this Chiefs team. I was wrong last year about Sky Moore being a top target for that Chiefs team last year, so maybe I could be wrong this year about Rasheed Rice. But Rasheed Rice last year... Had 96 catches for 1,355 yards and 10 touchdowns for SMU. I think he's capable of, let's say, 60 catches, 750 yards, and 7 touchdowns this year for the Chiefs. And that's dependent on him getting the targets he needs to do that. Who knows what he's going to look like in this offense if he's going to get the targets necessary to put up those numbers. But I think he's a great sleeper player to look out for in fantasy football. A guy that you can pick up on your waiver wire that can do big things this year for the Chiefs offense. He's a guy not too many people know about. And I think he's capable of putting up those numbers that I mentioned this season for the Chiefs. So he's one of my best sleeper rookies in fantasy football, a late round gem in fantasy football drafts. I think he could be a potential stud considering nobody really knows much about him. You can get him with one of the last picks in fantasy football, which you know fantasy drafts are over just about now, but you can get him on your waiver wire. I like him a lot though, Rasheed Rice. And then for Sky Moore, I think he's a fakeout. So I was going to do breakout versus fakeout, a breakout player being the guy that, that I think is going to break out this year and a guy that I think is going to be a fakeout player, meaning he's not going to break out like some people expect. I think Sky Moore is a fakeout player. Although a stat line, I think, will be definitely better than what he did last year for 22 catches, 250 yards, and no touchdowns in the regular season, I don't see him breaking out for a 1,000-yard season. Maybe 750 yards and five touchdowns is my guess, which is technically, I guess, a breakout season compared to last year, but I don't see him being the number one receiver on that offense. I like Rasheed Rice, as I said, as a sleeper breakout more than I like Sky more. And I think Justin Ross is a better pick as well for a potential breakout player in that offense than Skymore. Skymore's going to play more right away than those two guys, Rice and Ross. But I think Ross is very talented. I think he's got to keep your eye on as well. A very talented receiver that definitely could get some passes from Patrick Mahomes over the course of the season. But I think Rasheed Rice will emerge as that wide receiver one in that offense. Not Skymore. People expect right now Skymore to be the wide receiver one. I think right now where I'm going, I'm going to Rasheed Rice as a wide receiver one for that Chiefs team. One other guy I want to mention was Kadarius Tony, And he's a fake out for me here. It's hard to trust him to stay on the field, and there are so many weapons to feed in that Kansas City Chiefs offense that I trust more than him. Mark Cresvelta, Scantling, Richie James. I trust those guys to stay healthy and make big plays more than I trust Kadarius Tony. tony has been injured a lot in his career, and you can't really trust him to stay on the field. But a very dangerous player when the ball is in his hands, and he's obviously very shifty. But I'm going to go with fake out there on Tony and fake out there on Sky Moore. As I said, I'm going to go with Rasheed Rice as one of the best sleeper rookies in the NFL. A guy to keep your eye on that Patrick Mahomes will probably fall in love with right away. I watched his film from SMU. That kid's a stud player. Stud player that, that I think could do big things for the Chiefs offense this season. And we'll see what things look like. Anyway, tonight's game is kicking off in just about 10 minutes. Patrick Mahomes going up against Jared Goff. Not going to have Travis Kelsey in this game tonight, so we'll see how the Chiefs move the ball. Maybe they, re- they rely on the run game at Isaiah Pacheco. We'll see how things work out there. I'm excited to see what Jameer Gibbs looks like for the Detroit Lions. I see him having maybe 1,200 yards of scrimmage this year, maybe seven touchdowns. I think he's going to be a very dangerous back for the Chiefs team, especially in the past game. But the issue there with him is that I think David Montgomery is going to get some of those goal line touches that Jamal Williams took last year from DeAndre Swift. I think it's going to be a very similar situation this year for Dan Campbell in the Detroit Lions. I think they're going to give the ball to David Montgomery in short yardage situations, especially to the goal line, just like they did last year with Jamal Williams. But we'll see what the case is. As I said, I think the Chiefs win tonight's game. And I'm going to go with a prediction of Chiefs winning 27-23. 27-23 is my prediction. Maybe 27-24. Make it even there. So just one field goal, three touchdowns for the Lions. I'm going to go 27-23 Chiefs in this game. If you look at Patrick Mahomes' career, he's been great in week one of the regular season over his career. In five regular season games in week one, he's 18 touchdowns to no picks in five week one games. 18 touchdowns to no picks. So I expect him to have a good night tonight. My touchdown receptions for Patrick Holmes, I'm going to go Marcos Valdez-Scantling. I'm going to go Rasheed Rice. And I'm going to go Richie James. Those are my three touchdowns for Patrick Holmes in this game. So my prediction, 27-24 in that game. I think Jermaine Gibbs is capable, though, of scoring for the Lions. So he's my touchdown prediction for the Lions. I think Jared Goff throws a couple touchdowns in tonight's game. We'll see how that goes, obviously, without Travis Kelsey being there for the Chiefs. We'll see if they can move the ball down the field. But I do still think Patrick Mahomes can score with those weapons he has. As I said, I do really like Rasheed Rice. I like Marcos Valdez-Scantling. And we'll see what Sky Moore looks like as a top target in this team. He's going to play a lot of downs in tonight's game considering they need to move the ball somehow without Travis Kelsey. But I'm going to go 27-24 Chiefs. We'll see how tonight's game goes. I like this Chiefs offense, though. Even though they don't really have a number one receiver like Tyree Kale like they used to, I'm a fan of a lot of these guys. I love Richie James because of what he did last year with the Giants. Even though he did have some big drops, he had some big games for the Giants and helped them get to where they did last year in the playoffs. He stepped up in big moments for the Giants. So I like him. I like Mike Roswell, Scantling, a lot. I've been a big fan of MVS over his career. And as I said, Rasheed Rice is my boy as well. So I'm rooting for this offense to score. I still think they can win tonight's game without Travis Kelsey. I'm going to go 27-24 in a very close game in tonight's week one kickoff of the NFL season. Anyways, thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. As always, I appreciate it. I hope you guys have a good one, and I will see you guys in the next episode. Thank you.